Want to go see your favorite college or pro team? Go to TickSplits. TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. Use promo code WAR and save 5% off on all purchases at TickSplits.com or on the TickSplits app. That's promo code WAR, W-A-R-R, for 5% off on great seats to all of your favorite events. Remember, TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. That's TickSplits, T-I-X-V-L-I-T-Z.com. Visit today. Welcome to another fun-filled Monday edition of Second City Sports. We're live in 11 color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss Lakeem McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. And you follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app. You want to know why? Because we said so, that's why. And also, too, you can download all the, our other five live shows throughout the week. If you have it to miss them, you can go back and watch them and listen to them at your own leisure. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app today. Speaking of Sports Zone Chicago, you can find us on all social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, find Sports Zone Chicago on all social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you want to catch the audio version of Second City Sports? You can do so by subscribing to our podcast at War on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Type this in your search engine boxes on those podcast platforms. You ready? W-A-R-R on Anchor. Once again, that's War on Anchor. And you can follow War Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are unapologetically fun, and we have very definite opinions. And make sure you also can catch Sports Zone Chicago along with Second City Sports on the Roku TV app. You have a Roku television, just click on the sports section and type in Sports Zone Chicago. Put that app right there next to the ESPN app and all the other apps you have on your television right there, right bright and shiny for you. Sports Zone Chicago is now on Roku TV. For those of you that do not have a Roku television, just download the app and make sure you go into the sports section and type in Sports Zone Chicago. You can watch us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You can watch our shows live or you have other things to do in your life like we do. You can watch our shows later. So once again, Sports Zone Chicago is now on Roku TV. And you have a question or comment for us during any of our topics uh, for today's show, during our two-hour extravaganza. You can go to Sports on Chicago on Facebook or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in questions or comments and in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. But if you decide to troll in order to do something stupid, I'm giving Lakina full boat to give you fools to build and be a boot. Bye-bye. I love when she says that. <laughs> Lakina, let's kick off this Monday edition of Second City Sports by discussing Chicago baseball. Let's start off, of course, on the south side. The White Sox on the current two-game winning streak. Yes, it's true. A current two-game winning streak. They defeated Detroit Tigers yesterday by the score of 4-2 to uh, with a home run from Gavin Sheets and an RBI single for Eloy Jimenez. 
Michael Kopech didn't look great, but didn't look terrible either. After an embarrassing loss on Friday when Dylan Cease pitched the best game of the season, the White Sox said enough is enough. They bashed the Detroit Tigers winning 8-0 on Saturday thanks to Johnny Cueto's eight shutout innings. And yesterday they came from 2-0 down in the first inning to win their second in a row. Lakina, this is an important stretch for the White Sox as they'll, they'll play eight games in seven days, including a doubleheader on Tuesday tomorrow before heading to Minnesota to conclude the first half of the schedule for four games. Lakina, we keep saying this over and over again. And I, I feel like a broken record. I hate repeating myself, but I must do it one more again, as you young folks would say. This is their critical juncture on the season. And as Fred Thomas said on, on the postgame show on NBC Sports Chicago yesterday, you got to let it all hang out. Salvaging, I think, would be the better word to describe it. I think salvaging that you got to split from Detroit. Okay, yippee, good for you. You took advantage of... Um, <laughs> Of uh, Robbie Grossman's, who that was his first error, I think, since like 2018. I think I saw somewhere. So that you know, mm -hmm. it was a, a short fly with two outs left in the eighth. You know, he dropped the ball. I don't know if it was the win or maybe he just mistimed the ball. I don't know, but okay, yeah, that yeah, I, it will, okay, okay. People want to say it's the win, but yeah, it was a win like, off the lake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. If you guys say so, but yeah, I mean. Okay, yeah, you, you took advantage of it. Okay, great. You, you salvaged a split with the Tigers. Okay, good for you. But here's the thing, though. You got seven games coming up. He says, including the uh, the doubleheader tomorrow to make up, you know, for the doubleheader, you know, against the Guardians. So, okay, okay, fine. You're you're still okay. You're the inconsistencies are still there. I mean, you saw what happened those first two games at the Tigers on Thursday or Friday. So, color me not impressed. You're still five games back. And that's probably the only like good good thing. And probably all the good news about it. But again, you've got multiple teams around you that are still they're still hot. We'll get to the, the Mariners in a second. So they're one of the hottest mm -hmm. teams in the league right now. You know, the Red Sox, you know, salvage they salvage a split against the Yankees. Well, again, we'll get to that in a second. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's sort of one of those things where you're like, okay, you're back to where you started on, on Thursday. Okay. Okay, give give, give me more here. I need feed me more, okay. I think the White Sox will feed you more. A couple of things that I took out from the series this weekend. Gavin Sheets defensively has slightly improved. and Most importantly, he improved his eye at, at the plate. He hit, he hit the uh, on one home run on Saturday. He hit the game-tying home run on Saturday rather than the game-tying home run yesterday as the Sox came back to beat Detroit. Gavin Sheets is really reading the ball well at the plate right now. And so is Andrew Vaughn. I know his averages dipped a little bit, but uh, that young man is seeing the ball at, at home plate right now as well. So Gavin Sheets, his approach is slightly different than it was from earlier in the season. The numbers still have to improve, especially that batting average, but I like the way he's been playing right now. Johnny Cueto, as I mentioned at the top, uh, he, except for a couple of bad starts, he's 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 been a, a been the savior of this rotation outside of Dylan Cease. And Cueto pitched eight shutout innings on Saturday, which was very good for the Sox. It, it held that the Sox game a six nothing lead after two innings on Saturday. But Johnny Cueto has been another solid rock in that rotation. Remember, they found, found him off the scrap heap because Lance Lance started the year off on the injured list. But Johnny Cueto has really been good. The bullpen actually showed up for once. Liam Hendricks looks like he's getting back into form from his injury a, a couple of weeks ago. And so the, things are looking up for the Sox. But as you said, Lakini, has put up a shut up to, to the teams in front of you. You play them. In, in these next eight straight games before we commence on our our next Monday show uh, for the All-Star break. 
is really going to tell what the Sox are are looking for or, or perhaps dumping in terms of GM Rick Hahn, what he's going to do going forward as far as the season is concerned. But the, the Sox can and will determine their future, what they do on the field starting tonight in Cleveland. It'll be interesting to see what happens there in that in that series. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Lance Lynn go against, you know, Quantrill. Mm-hmm. You know, that's tonight. Uh, and then the doubleheader, you know, person, Nunez, season, you know, Shane Bieber. That should be a fun one. Bieber did not have a good deal start in his last start, but – We'll see if they can bounce back from He usually that. do it as well against the Sox. Yeah, so we'll see. That's usually not a good sign for Sox fans. Um, so, yeah, so the other game, I know uh, Giolito against Saval, that's for the uh, the rubber match there on mm-hmm. Wednesday. But, yeah, I think for, for me, I think this whole thing, look, I'm, I'm in proofing mode. I mean, mm-hmm. we thought, thought that the White Sox were kind of starting to sort of, you know, creeping a little bit. You know, they're going to go back down. I mean, yeah, they've been hitting the ball better, and yes, they've been taking advantage of mistakes by other teams, and blah blah blah. I know our our buddy uh, Vernon Fairley, uh, China, said, "Did you see the the Times article? Apparently, apparently, um, I guess there was an article that came out early this morning that said that there wasn't, you know, a lot of um, leadership at the white, at, you know, the Sox club, White Sox clubhouse." I mean, I, I, re- I mean, we really didn't need anybody to tell us that. I mean, you can tell by the way they play, the way they, you know, demeanor and carry themselves. So, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, all right. I mean, that, that's sort of like one of those things where you're kind of like okay but you know it, it's it is what it is i think at this point i mean if they look what is usually the thing that kind of writes a lot of things so mm-hmm. maybe that'll help but again if this lingers you know you might have some problems but you know we just gotta wait and see and also too let's not forget about the impact of the return of your guy Lakina eloy jimenez <laughs> he has not gaffed up on the field yet <laughs> hopefully we won't, we won't see that uh, as far as the rest of the season concerned but his bat is, is starting to heat up he hit his first home run uh, in a while last week in the uh, series finale at home against Minnesota. Of course, he had the go-ahead RBI single yesterday. So it looks like Eli Jimenez is back to his uh, mid-season four. Hopefully he, that continues. They'll definitely need it as they play Minnesota and Cleveland on the road. And also, too, uh, uh, Tim Anderson, I know he didn't play yesterday because of rest, but you uh, you hope he'll start to pick it back up again. I just want him to have his baseball IQ back on because he, it, it didn't look good in that series, especially last Monday night's game against Minnesota, not running out of a drop uh, third strike. And so he needs to get back into four and be consistent as well. So uh, some things are looking up for the Sox, but I'm with you. I need to see more. And, and, and it's no better test than right now. Yeah, the consistency. If they just be consistent, that's all you ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right there for the division. But again, that's a probably end up being like one spot. You know, team coming for the central that's going to end up going to the playoffs, even with the expanded. You know, okay, mm-hmm. you know, field this year. So I think if you're the Sox fan, you better see. We'll we'll find out, especially because they got Cleveland coming up, coming back from the break at cool. home. Then they got you know two against Colorado just before the deadline. So I'm wondering, like, okay, well, if they you know, finish right near like the 500 mark. If you're Rick Hahn, if you're still like three games, two or three games under, what do you do? So mm-hmm. do you start dumping guys? Do you start training? Do you try to trade, you know, see pieces sort of upgrade? So, you know, Rick Hahn's going to be in a tough spot if they don't get it together in these, you know, these eight, these next eight games, you know, come up to the all-star break. I think if they're around 500, they'll add somebody or add somebody because they definitely need another bet, but most importantly, they need another reliever because as we talked about Lakina, even though the bullpen has been doing well lately, Outside of Kendall Graven and, of course, closer Liam Hendricks, this bullpen has been a major disappointment. Part of it is because of injuries, but the other part of it is because of inconsistency. Injuries, Aaron Bummer, Joe Kelly. It looks like that signing has been a waste so far. Thank you, Rick Hahn, for that. But I think Rick Hahn, most importantly, needs another reliever or two. 
but if they're in the same position a couple of weeks, about three weeks from now, uh, it's not going to be an overhaul like it was a few years ago. But you, like you said, you'll start tra training off a couple of veterans. As we mentioned in our last episode, like, you know, Jose Abreu, A.J. Pollock, Johnny Cueto. You can get something for them. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what they can do there. So going to uh, going up north, you know, the Cubs, your Cubs lose a, a heartbreaking uh, sweep against the Dodgers where they were in a couple <laughs> of games. You know, they lost, um, you know, some, you know, as a walk off and then they had like an eight nothing lead. But then that whole, you know, that lead evaporated. So just so I mean. You can kind of tell like the youth of this team is starting to show a little bit. They end up losing 11 9. You know, unfortunately, they get swept by the Dodgers and such. So, it's sort of one of those things where you're kind of wondering, you know, they, they hit the ball out, you know, away from your eyes. Your eyes only last like, like two innings. So, mm -hmm. unfortunately, they weren't able to take advantage of some of those things and, you know, errors and such. So, yeah, just just not. I think you're well, just where you thought that maybe you were kind of starting to get into back into good graces with the Cubs and then they do something out of the stuff. So, it's, it's, it's just unfortunate at this point. You're kind of like, eh, okay. Yeah, Marcus Stroman, who made his return off the injured list, he looked good in that game on Saturday against the Dodgers. But as we talked about before, Lakina, if this team is majority healthy, they look like it, they could be one of the top middle-of-the-road teams in baseball in terms of the way they score runs a bunch, as you saw that, especially in yes yesterday's series finale. Patrick Wisdom. Uh, he can hit the ball, which he did over the weekend, but uh, he had a hole in his glove, which caused the Cubs a couple of runs, which turned out to be the difference in the ball game yesterday. Uh, Ian Happ, congratulations to him uh, being named an All-Star next to Wilson Gutierrez. Both of them represent the Cubs in the All-Star game. We'll talk about the, all the rest of the All-Star rosters uh, in next hour. But the, uh, this Cubs team, as you talked about, they are showing their youth and they're showing their inexperience. They look good at times, but everything's on cue, but – their in inexperienced shows, and with the Dodgers, the re one of the reasons why they are on the top of the National League is because they take advantage of the other team's mistakes, and they are very consistent in those moments as well. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the problem. And again, you know, you know, Ian Hab, you know, Kyle Hendricks, Wilson Contreras, he's back in the All Star game as well as a starter. <laughs> so we'll have to wait and see if he's going to be back there as well. So it's it's going to get. Yeah, I mean, look, Jed Hoyer, we're gonna look, we're gonna see what what he does because mm -hmm. does he trade like a couple of those guys and such? So yeah, a lot. We don't know what the plan is, and I don't think they know at this point. So I guess we we'll have to <laughs> wait and see what they do. <laughs> do you know what the plan is at this point, Lakina? I'll take a crack. They're rebuilding. They just won't tell you and I or the rest of the Cubs fans that. I know many Cubs fans are complaining that uh, this team they're running like a small market team. I understand you're in the third largest market uh, in America, but you're running this like a small market team. They needed to rebuild. It looks like they were, they're trying to do it on the fly, be competitive and rebuild on the fly. You don't have enough, enough prospects or pieces in your farm system to do that. So they will have to bottom up. I know Jed Hoyer was on uh, was doing his media round saying that it's not going to take as long as people think. Well, we'll see about that. But as we said before, Lakina, the players are on this roster right now. Realistically, how many of them do you see in the next two or three years? There's going to be difference makers for this Cubs team. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. And I think that's going to be that's going to be the problem. And I think we'll we'll see yeah. what happens there. Uh, let, oh, uh, there's our, our buddy uh, Antoine Showtime War. Antoine Showtime War. Nice dog. to hear from you again, my man. Yeah, some dog days ahead for the Cubs. You know, yeah. Uh, oh, damn, damn, damn it. A la uh, Florida Evans. <laughs> 
those of you who don't get that that last part of his comment. But yeah, again, yeah. look, we'll we'll see. Uh, now, what what caught your eye in all of Major League Baseball this weekend? A lot of a lot of interesting things happening uh, in baseball over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, your Seattle Mariners, Lakina, <laughs> eight in a row. They swept Toronto. Uh, yeah, the Baltimore a- Orioles also on the eight game winning streak. Two games yes. back of that third and last wild card spot in the American League. They're on the eight game winning streak. They swept. The Anaheim Angels, which that team has become a joke at this point. I know some people want to uh, ask Mike Trout to ask for a trade. I don't know if that's going to happen. Shohei Otani may not be there in a couple of years. We'll see about that. But those are the two things that jumped out of me this weekend. Yeah, it's sort of interesting that uh, they extended their uh, longest win streak this season to 18. Their fourth straight win over the Angels also tied their longest streak versus the Angels since they won six straight back in 2010. So, you know, they've had the Angels number in, in recent years. And look, those are some, look, there are some really good players on that, that Orioles team. So if mm-hmm. you're or look, if you're the Orioles brass, you thought, oh, we could trade some of these guys. No, they're, they're actually right there within that, that last uh, wild card spot. So you might not want to, you know, trade <laughs> trade anybody at this point. And you're looking how you got looks Santana, you know, with the RBI, you know, with that RBI and that, you know, that that won that game for them on. Uh, that that you know got them to sweep against the Angels. So yeah, they've got a really good roster of talent there on that team. So I think Baltimore fans should be feeling pretty good. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, pretty good. I mean, like I said, Anthony Santander, uh, Austin Austin Hayes, uh, Troy Mancini, a uh, yeah, Mancini, Newcastle. Say, or, yep. Yeah. So you know they got a lot of really good players on that squad. Uh, Carlos Mullins as well. So Cedric Mullins, I should say as well. So there are so many like really good players on that team. So I think if you're the Orioles, if you're an Orioles fan, you should be feeling pretty good about your team so far. As for Seattle. Uh, yeah, Toronto, yeah, their, their pitching has been kind of like that's been the thing that unfortunately is a question of who's mine. You know, their pitching unfortunately is sort of showing that, ooh, but you know, the Mariners, I mean, look, we thought that maybe the Mariners would be right there, could be for the playoff spot. They've won nine of their last 10, so they're they're still they're right there from that, that within that uh, in distance of that last wild card spot, so looking pretty good. And also, too, uh, the Red Sox, Yankees, Yankees, uh, they move, split. You know, they split and uh, Jeter Downs. You know, there's so much irony on this tweet here. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, Jeter Downs scored the game-winning run on Saturday, and then he was you know led that rally against the Red Sox uh, last night. So you know they've won a couple in a row. They split that series with the Yankees, so they're kind of right there too in that that wild card spot. So there's so much. Uh, the Rays, unfortunately. I know losing at Cincinnati. What's up with that? <laughs> well, it's like you got swept by C- Cincinnati. Really? <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, Hunter Green throwing six, uh, six one hundred mile an hour pitches. Good grief! <laughs> yeah, he had a yeah, he had a big out. <laughs> yeah, he had a really big out in that game last night. So I'm like, uh, if you're in Tampa, you're you're kind of scratching your head, thinking, how in the world did that happen? But I, I, it's just yeah, that that's, that's that was a little bit nutty uh, over the weekend. So uh, Houston is Houston. You know, we, so we talked about the Mariners. The Braves have won three in a row. Mm-hmm. You know, they're only one and a half back from the Mets. Yeah, they've kind of, you know, filtered out a little bit the Mets have. Yeah. So Yeah, the Mets played with the Marlins over the weekend. And congratulations to them for, for finally honoring the Keith Hernandez. I saw highlights yeah, of the ceremony from video. Saturday. That was really cool. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I saw the video too. Look it out. Check it out on their, uh, the Mets uh, social media feed because mm-hmm. it was you know, they're, they're right there for it. Um, oh, look, our buddy uh, Twan again, uh, Showtime, chimed in like Otani and, and Trout on the same team. And it's a shame that they won't see any posted action this year. The fans are missing out on two great generational players, the most important part of the year. And yeah, you're right, Twan. I mean, unfortunately, I think that is the case. And we're going to see, mm-hmm. I think we're, we're seeing that too. Which which team do you see, uh, do you guys see crashing after the, the All-Star break? Kind of hard. 
hard to say at this point. Yeah, it really, it really is going to depend on who, who you know, who is going to end up. You know, there's going to be a lot of uh, movement in the trade deadline, so you got to think the Yankees are probably they need pitching desperately. They definitely need pitching. Uh, they, the Blue Jays need pitching as well. Yes, the they definitely need, need it. a little more, you know, experience hitting and such. I'm sure other teams, especially in the, in the NLEs, which are all three of the, the top teams, you know, the Mets, the Braves, and the Phillies are going to be making some moves. So it's kind of hard to say it's going to be a crash. It's going to get a crash at the All-Star break because he just the, the season's been, I don't want to say unpredictable, but it's sort of like, you know, we like you just don't know what's going to happen. And plus that third wild card is in place, so it's, it's not going to be as much as a fire sale as people may want them or think. So we'll see what happens there. Just quickly, Keen, a couple of the series from over the weekend. The Minnesota Twins, who are the White Sox are chasing right now, they avoid the sweep yesterday thanks to Byron Buxton's home run. Uh, so Minnesota mm-hmm. gets out of Texas with a win, even though they lost two out of three. And Cleveland loses two out of three in Kansas City. Yeah, so we'll get more about that, but we're going to do, you know, t- switch gears here and talk some college football. <laughs> Matt Fortuna from The Athletic will join us to talk about the the conference uh, musical chairs, as I call it, <laughs> and such. And are we one step close to super conferences? Kenny McGee, Sydney Brown, you know, Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago, and we'll see you guys in a bit. Progressive presents the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. The Dodgers beat the Cubs 11-9 on Sunday at Dodgers Stadium. Freddie Freeman 4-5 for with a home run. L.A. rallied from a pair of five-run deficits. P.J. Higgins hit his first career Grand Slam during Chicago's five-run fifth. David Bodie hit a three-run homer in the third. But the Cubs couldn't hang on. They've lost four in a row in 6-10. Back goes Reyes. This is gone. And we are tied. Gavin Sheets put a charge into a 3-2 pitch. White Sox radio with the call. 4-2 the win over the Tigers. The Sox have wins in two straight and six of ten. Pinch hitter A.J. Pollock's two-out single broke a 2-2 tie. Kendall Graveman pitched the scoreless eighth for the win. Liam Hendricks with the perfect ninth for his 17th save. NBA Vegas Summer League action Sunday. The Knicks beat the Bulls 101-69. Next up for Chicago is Tuesday afternoon's matchup against the Raptors. It'll be a 4 central tip-off. I'm Chuck Sanders. That's the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. Macy's 4th of July sale has everything you need to make a splash at the barbecue with great deals like 50 to 60% off swimwear for all and dry off with plush Charter Club beach towels for $40. Plus get 40% off almost all sandals now during the great sandal sale. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Star Money bonus days. See Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. So a friend told me about Mr. Clean Magic Eraser and his exact words were, it changed my life. I used to spend a ridiculous amount of time trying to remove tomato sauce from inside our microwave and soap scum off the bathtub. It's like seriously magic and my secret weapon for cleaning the kitchen, bathroom, doors and walls and even keeping my sneakers clean. Mr. Clean Magic Eraser, greatest invention ever. Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean Magic Eraser, the unicorn of cleaning.
Welcome back to the all-new Monday edition of Second City Sports. We're live in living color right here on Sports on Chicago, along with Miss Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter in the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina Oscar McGee on the IG. Don't forget, we're also on, you can catch us on Roku TV. Uh, if you have a Roku television, just uh, go into the, uh, tap on the app, go into the sports sec- section and type in Sports on Chicago. You can get all of our programs, including this one, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year and seven days a week. And if you have a question for our next sketch, you can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. Right now, Lakina, for the next few minutes, we'll talk about the reshuffling in conferences in the world of college football. To help us do that, we'll bring on a first-time guest. You can watch him locally here in Chicago as a guest analyst and in a guest anchor for GN Sports Tonight on WGN TV in Chicago. He's also a college football writer for The Athletic. Let's please bring on Mr. Matt Fortuna. You can follow him on the Twitter at Matt underscore Fortuna. Once again, at Matt underscore Fortuna. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Um, UCLA and USC, uh, they're no longer in the Big Ten. They uh, packed themselves up, and now they're crossing the the street over to the Big Ten. Uh, This news has been out there for the last week and a half or so. We wanted to get you on. Uh, How did this process come about, and what was your initial reaction when you heard the news? Crossing the street, more like crossing the country. (laughs) Going from (laughs) uh, the conference that's headquarters is in Rosemont, Illinois, but Uh, I was surprised, like everyone else, at least by the timing. Um, You know, I I, I think when you look, take a step back and look at the college sports landscape as a whole, there's just so much money being made by the Big Ten and the SEC relative to everyone else in college football that it's kind of inevitable that anyone worth anything is going to assimilate into one of those two leagues. But the timing certainly surprised me. Um, Look, the Big Ten was in the middle of their TV rights negotiations. Obviously, they're more valuable now adding those two schools than they would have been without them. Um, and, and the public announcement of that deal kept getting delayed from what I had heard. So, you know, your antenna goes up a little bit. But certainly, anytime you see two powerhouse programs like USC and UCLA uh, leave a conference that they've been a part of for, for around 100 years or so, that certainly sends shockwaves throughout the sport. And, and it leaves a lot of people in other conferences scrambling, trying to figure out what they do next. Well, and also, too, the money mass money aspect of it, Matt. I mean, when you hear uh, Martin German, who is the AD over at UCLA, saying that they were about, what, 50 or $60 million in the hole. That's why and they would have had to cut some sports, like some of their, you know, their top sports, you know, championship sports, like softball, volleyball, and those type of things. So what do you think about those comments? And you're sort of like, aha, that's why they made the move. Yeah, I mean, we, we can analyze it and put our own personal spin on it all we want. But at the end of the day, you know, if we see the numbers in front of us, it makes perfectly good sense, right? I mean, if you're not in one of those two leagues right now, if you're not in the Big Ten or the SEC, uh, and you look at the recent tax forms, you look at the revenue you're making from, from your media rights deals, I mean, you're making 20 30 $40 million a year. And in the SEC or Big Ten, that's going to be close to $100 million a year. And when you do the math over a number of different years, um, that amounts to hundreds of millions of dollars of a gap, you know, between what UCLA would have been making in the Pac-12 versus what they will be making in the Big Ten. And I know the dollar doesn't solve everything. You got to go out on the field and play the games. But when it comes to hiring coaches, retaining coaches, 
uh, you know, building facilities, making your place attractive, making it sure it's uh, on as many different um, or, or as big of a broadcast platform as possible. All that adds up. And when you look into the crystal ball into the future, it's why the Clemsons of the world, the Florida States of the world, those who are stuck in the ACC or, or other conferences who otherwise have power programs are, are really looking in the mirror, wondering what are we going to do to keep up? Because when Dabo Swinney signed a $9.3 million, $9 million a year deal at Clemson in 2019, that was a game changer. And now he's got a lot of company in that $9 million a year club, and it's going to be more difficult for Clemson to theoretically continue to pay him market value if he keeps winning at a national championship level while everyone else continues to make that much money. Matt Fortuna, college football writer from The Athletic, has joined us right here on Second City Sports. We're live and living color on sports on Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you. Matt, let's stay with the SEC as you brought up just a moment ago. Of course, Oklahoma and Texas are coming over in the next couple of years or so. What other teams do you see the, see the SEC adding to match the Big Ten in terms of um, becoming this power conference? Because I know there's other pundits and analysts like Herb, Herbster has been saying that it looks like the college football has become the AFC and the NFC from the NFL. The, what teams do you see the SEC, if any, uh, adding to their conference over the next few years or so? Yes, and it really has. And when you look at the broadcast uh, people dictating these decisions, right? You've got Fox, mm -hmm. the Big Ten, kind of like mm -hmm. Fox is the NFC. And you've got mm -hmm. ESPN yeah. uh, with the uh, – with the SEC, kind of like CBS is with uh, the AFC. So I, I think that's a pretty apt analogy about the way things are going right now. Um, as far as what the SEC will do next, um, you know, I think when you have 16 teams in a conference, as they will in the future with Texas, Oklahoma there, you want schools that are going to add to every school's individual pie, right? If you, you mm -hmm. divide that pie up by 18, everyone gets a little bit less. Obviously, Notre mm -hmm. Dame is a big money maker out there right now that that is not home to a conference full-time in football. I, I do think when you look regionally and culturally, Clemson and Florida State and, and maybe even Miami would, would make perfect sense in the SEC. But the ACC right now, um, for, for all their financial troubles, they are all contractually locked into each other through 2036 due to the ACC network agreement that they signed with ESPN back in 2016. So I, I think from where we stand right now, it would take something pretty drastic for an ACC, for a full-time ACC school to get out of the ACC because their their media rights revenue were tied to uh, the ACC for the next 14 years, and that's hundreds of millions of dollars you'd probably be sacrificing. And um, you know, at some point, that that just becomes too hard to 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 get out from under right now. And, and I think if there was a legal avenue toward doing that, we would have seen a school try to do it so far and we haven't yet. So um, I, I think we're in a bit of a holding pattern right now until we figure out what Notre Dame and maybe Oregon and Washington do as well. Yeah, you're piggybacking off that, uh, Matt, because I feel like, okay, where does this leave the Pac-12? I mean, there are rumors that maybe the Pac-12, you know, might, some of those schools, like you, you mentioned, might go to the ACC and then you know, there might be some other shuffling going on that the Big 12 might add a couple of teams from the Pac-12. There were some rumors that came out about that in the last few days. So where do you see all these you know, conferences, sort of like the merry-go-round or the musical chairs, as I call it? Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting scenario because I think you, know, you have programs like Oregon and Washington, which, which have, have blue blood status, um, have a lot of uh, big money people behind them or, or in a part of the country that otherwise isn't really touched by the rest of the college football world. I think those are valuable properties. I think, you know, if the PAC 12 can get them to agree to stay in the fold for their next media rights deal, I think the PAC 12 at 10 teams without USC and UCLA will be okay going forward, but, but make no mistake about it. If, if those two schools 
could get out, they would be out by right out by now. So I, I, I think everything hinges with Notre Dame right now. I really do. I think if they join a conference, um, I think if they were to leave the ACC with their Olympic sports and go to the Big Ten, uh, there are some schools, the ACC, that would probably make a legal argument that, hey, the deal we signed on to is not what it is right now without those five Notre Dame football games a year. It's, it's not worth as much as we initially signed up for. And maybe then the lawyers start getting involved and looking for ways for uh, some schools in the ACC to possibly get out. But I really do think it all hinges with Notre Dame. I think Oregon and Washington are two big dominoes. We'll wait and see um, how they fall as well. But um, I don't know if anything gets done uh, of substantial nature uh, until Notre Dame joins a conference. And I wouldn't rule out that happening sometime down the road, but I don't think it's imminent. And, um, you know, we've talked, we've heard talks about mergers with the ACC and PAC 12 or the big 12, trying to take some of those PAC 12 schools, some, some of those remaining PAC 12 schools. I, I think every commissioner and every league right now is exploring all their potential options because uh, you know, if, if you just sit, sit and don't do anything, you, risk having someone else do something and getting left behind. I just don't know if any of those hypotheticals that are out there right now are going to really be a financial boon for any of those conferences, which is why I'm not sure we'll see any of those, any of those potential deals uh, get done anytime soon. We're halfway home with our guest, Matt Fortuna. He's the college football writer from The Athletic. He's joining us right here on Sega City Sports. We're live in 11 color. Sid Lakina here with you right here on Sports on Chicago. Matt, let's go back to the Path 12. Of course, their commissioner, Larry Scott, everybody, especially on the West Coast, has had an opinion about him, of course. Um, uh, he screwed up the deal with Fox, with, with the Pac-12 network, just like all the other networks. He had to lay off, uh, they had to lay off a, a whole bunch of talented people. Give us your thoughts on Larry Scott. Will he, will he survive this after all uh, these uh, – Teams switching conferences are, are, are finalized. Yeah, I mean, you know, George Klavkov took over last year, and so he's the current commissioner. And, you know, unfortunately for him, this happens under his watch, and, and he's the guy who will become not the face of this, but, but will be known as the guy who presided over the Pac 12 when mm -hmm. the Pac 12, as we know it, began to disintegrate. Uh, you know, I, I, I think commissioner's an interesting job in sports and really in anywhere, right? We saw um, the, the fantasy football controversy with some of the major league baseball players a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Mike Trout was the commissioner there and said, you know what, this isn't for me anymore. It's way too controversial. I, I, you know, Adam Silver has, has a pretty high Q rating for the most part, but I just don't think being a commissioner of anything is somewhere you go to be liked or to be popular. Um, you know, Kevin Warren really took a beating reputation wise at the big 10 when uh, they decided to cancel the football season initially in 2020 due to COVID. And, you know, how much of that was his individual decision versus him executing the orders of his bosses, the school presidents? I don't know. And right now, he, he's he's um, getting a lot of credit for expanding the Big Ten when you could probably make the same argument. Is he, he probably gets too much blame when he shouldn't. He probably gets too much credit when he shouldn't. And I think that goes for anyone in that seat. And so right now you're seeing uh, George Klaufkopf come under fire a little bit publicly. But, you know, he, he had started, I think it was July 1st of 2021. So literally on his one, the day before his one year anniversary at the Pac-12 is when he dealt this news of his two flagship schools leaving for the Big Ten. And that's just a really tough pill to swallow. And, and I think everyone in that league, you know, likes his vision, likes his direction and, and believes that he'll be the one to, to help steady the ship, so to speak. But no question, you mentioned Larry Scott. You look back at all the numbers of errors he made over, over the years and all the errors he was allowed to make whether it was, you know, going it alone with the Pac-12 network, whether it was uh, his lack of, I don't want to say coddling, but, but lack of propping up, you know, the USC's of the world. Mm -hmm. I remember in 2017, uh, that was a really good USC team coming off a Rose Bowl win the year before. 
and they played 12 games in 12 weeks. They did not have a bye in the regular season. Can you ever imagine the SEC doing that for Alabama or the Big Ten? No. Doing that for Ohio State? <laughs> not at all. And what no. happened? They ended up losing a Friday night game on the road at Washington State, which eliminated their perfect season. And look, you know, with hindsight, was that a national championship caliber team? Probably not, but their league did them no favors there. And I think that's one major example of many that you saw over the years where they just kind of lost touch of what they should be doing as a conference as far as trying to prop up their biggest breadwinners and trying to pump up their football product as a whole. Now, what is where does this leave some of the smaller schools, like you know, schools in for the American Conference? And the Sun Belt and, and those like smaller, like non-power five, if you will, you know, the HBCUs, you know, some, you know, we talked, you know, Sid and I talked about it like last week. Where do you where do you see where does it leave those schools? Because they're kind of gonna be like left twisting in the wind, it feels like. Yeah, I think some of the, the upper tier schools in those those leagues probably like it because I think chaos creates opportunity. We saw that last year when Texas Oklahoma left the Big 12, and we all thought the Big 12 as we knew it, <clears throat> excuse me, as we knew it was going to collapse. And what ended up happening was they added Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and BYU. And if you're a school like Cincinnati, I mean, talk about timing. You make the college football playoff as a group of five. And when you make that kind of stage as a group of five, it's supposed to be a once in a lifetime or once in a generation moment. And they're going to be a power five program here in a couple of years. And they're going to be making power five revenues. And uh, they're going to be in position to build off all the success that they've had in recent years in the American Athletic Conference. So I, I think if you're a stronger program, if you're maybe a Memphis, you know, one of the best ones that's on the outside looking in, you're you're looking at all the dominoes falling and trying to insert yourself into the picture there and see if you can nab one of those bids. You know, I'm sure San Diego State and Boise State right now are calling the Pac-12 like crazy trying to get in there. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I definitely think whenever someone leaves a power conference, uh, the first initial reaction is what are they going to do to replace those schools? And usually it's dipping into the group of five level. Last moment or two with college football writer from the athletic, Mr. Matt Fortuna is joining us right here on Second City Sports. Sid Lakina here with you live in the living color right here on Sports on Chicago. Matt, let's go back to the Big Ten with USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. Uh, what does this what does the this move do in, in terms of scheduling for, for the college football season? Do you, do UCLA and USC both schedule to come to the East Coast in the early part of the year, or do they mix them up? Well, one of those teams come to the East Coast in, in September, early October, or do you send both of them to the East Coast in early November, which you know the weather potentially gets nasty? Uh, what, in your opinion, what do you think this what does this do for scheduling uh, for those teams down the road? Yeah, Sydney, I think that's the biggest question right now as far as how this is going to work, right? And look, football's the moneymaker. Football's what we're going to talk about. I feel really bad for the women's swimming team that might have to go from mm -hmm. Los Angeles to State College for a Tuesday night meet. I, I don't know how mm -hmm. they're – I went to Penn State. That's not an easy place to get to no matter where you're coming from. I, I can only imagine the, the stress and the, the toll and the financials that will go with, with moves like that. But, but to your point with football – I mean, the Big Ten was already re-examining its future scheduling models as far as are they going to eliminate divisions? Are they going to go to a pod system? Are they going to go to a, a couple permanent rivals a year and then you rotate the others per year? I think everyone wants to wait and see what the new college football playoff format will be because you want to put yourself in a position to maximize your number of potential bids in that format. And that's up in the air right now. We don't know what that's going to look like. But certainly – um, if you're USC and UCLA right now, I mean, if you're Lincoln Riley, right, I think the dynamics of USC job just completely change. It's obviously a powerhouse. You're still going to recruit mm -hmm. extremely well, but um, mm -hmm. 
unless they're giving you an entire home schedule in November, you're going to be playing in cold weather more games than not. And that changes the dynamics of the kind of offense you want to run, of the way you're going to schedule, of the way you're going to play and recruit. So I think that's probably the most fascinating question from a competition standpoint about how this is all going to work. I do know they're, you know, sitting Big Ten schools, the 14 previous Big Ten schools, they all had questions in that regard when this was brought up as a discussion point. And the league essentially said, look, you know, the ones that have to worry about this are USC and UCLA more than you guys. You'll only be going out there one game a year, if that. They're the ones who are going to be doing all the legwork for traveling. And that's something we're going to have to work together with as a conference to figure out the best method and best approach to do that. But but no question, uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting, right? You know, USC, mm-hmm. are, are they going to play at Penn State on a Saturday and then have a home game against Wisconsin on a Friday? I mean, it, the number of different scenarios you can play out in your head right now are definitely fascinating. How about 9 a.m. kickoffs too, man? I mean, <laughs> you, you know, they may have to deal with, you know, I'm talking about UCLA, USC are going to probably have to deal with that maybe a couple of times a year at least, especially in you know October and November when it gets a little cold. So that's another thing they got to think You would hope for their well. sake that they don't do that. You'd hope for their sake from a, a broadcasting standpoint, they're not playing those Pac-12 after dark games anymore either. They're playing – seven or eight o'clock east coast time where you're maximizing the number of eyeballs that, that are watching your product i've actually been i actually like those packed after dark games oh, so I love be, <laughs> me, too, me too you're definitely gonna be the end of an era there now uh matt are we kind of like one step closer because we were told maybe like about a decade ago that we're going to have super conferences eventually are is this are is the recent moves and the reshuffling are we getting one step closer to that yeah i, I think we're there right two 16 team conferences uh, and if they're going to play, well, the SEC's case, maybe eight-game schedules, and the Big Ten's case, nine-game conference schedules, you know, there's going to be such a lack of familiarity, I think, with a lot of these schools that just don't see each other on the football field all that frequently despite being in the same conferences. I mean, the Big Ten as we know it, um, it's still the Big Ten in name and in identity and in, in its mission, but, you know, it's, it's not a Midwestern conference anymore. It's literally a national conference that goes from one coast to the other. Um, the SEC is a little more regionalized in, in that regard, but um, yeah, I don't know how much of that's by design or, or by you know virtue of who they're able to get when they're able to get them. No question, it's the best conference from a football standpoint in the country right now. Uh, but, but absolutely, we, we are. I, I think we're right in the throes of it right now as far as the super conference era, and it's a matter of figuring out when all the dominoes fall, who's going to be one of the haves and who's going to be one of the have-nots because um, it, it's a pretty tricky time right now if you're right on that bubble. And this is my last question for you, man. Speaking of those potential super conferences, this does has the potential to open up to a 12-team uh, college football playoff, correct? Because uh, the discussions can't open up until after the completion of the 2025 season. This has to be an easy road, quote-unquote, easy road to a 12-team college football playoff, correct? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you thought it would have been easier the last time around when, when that was what was on the table, but three, three of the commissioners struck that down. And, you know, they're in the middle of their contract right now, the playoff, that is, which runs through 25-26. And in order to ratify that deal, they would have had to have had unanimous agreement among all the commissioners to change it. And they didn't have unanimous agreement. They don't need unanimous agreement to, ch- to start a new contract when this one ends. And in that regard, that makes me wonder who's going to be calling the shots, because no question about it, the SEC and the Big Ten are the two powerhouse conferences. And I think whatever they say is eventually going to go. And it's a matter of what do those two think are in the best interest, both for their individual conferences and for college football as a whole, because um, those two are the biggest moneymakers. They're the biggest conferences in terms of size. 
and they've got the two biggest voices at the table right now. And I don't know what you can do if you're a commissioner or a school in another conference um, if you disagree with the way they see this thing going because they're going to be calling the shots and they're going to go with or without you. Absolutely. And the last question for me. Now, we're going to try to have you back on during this season. So, you know, we're, we're, we're putting it out there, folks, for all our, our friends, you know, streaming and listening to this and watch, going to be watching this. Uh, outside of Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, they're the defending champions. Who are your kind of like your early favorites for this season coming up? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, as much as I love this sport, it doesn't, it lacks for intrigue in the national title race because three of the teams you just said are, are probably going to be right there. I'd, I'd add Ohio State to that mix as well. I think USC is going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, you know, it's, it's a sleeping giant of a power that has a new head coach who's a proven winner and who has completely remade that roster and that program through the transfer portal. Is that good enough to get them in the championship mix this year? I personally don't think so. I mean, I think they'll be a Pac-12 contender. I think they're still uh, – I think it takes a number of years to build your program, uh, particularly in the trenches, to really take a swing at winning a national championship. But no question, Lincoln Riley has USC pointing in that direction. But, uh, you know, Ohio State has a prove-it game in week one against Notre Dame, and I know Ohio State is, is heavily favored in that game and is expected to win it. But I think if they win it in a manner that is dominant against a Notre Dame team that's coming off an 11-1 regular season from a year ago and has all the hype and charm of a new head coach, I think that will speak loud and clear to um, what the rest of the country needs to watch out for because we've seen those receivers in action. We know what a great quarterback C.J. Stroud is. He was a Heisman finalist last year in his first year starting. Uh, and, and they completely changed their defense, which was a weak point last year. They hired Jim Knowles as their coordinator over from Oklahoma State, who had completely remade the Cowboys defense last year. So uh, Ohio State's going to be a very, very dangerous team to watch this year, particularly when you consider the fact that, um, you know, they had a down year last year by their standards. They lost that Michigan game. And that's something that they've undoubtedly reminded themselves of every single day since then. And and that makes for a pretty dangerous re recipe if you're facing the, the Buckeyes. All right, that was Matt Fortuna, college football writer from The Athletic, and you can catch him as a freaking guest and a guest host on GN Sports Tonight on WGN-TV in Chicago. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Fortuna. Once again, at Matt underscore Fortuna. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Great job. You keep up the great work. And as Lakina said, we'll have you back on uh, at some point during the college football season. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Right, thank you. Stay safe. Uh all right, as says, say you can read uh, Matt's stuff on The Athletic, of course, on GN Sports Live here in Chicago on WGN. Mm -hmm. So, say we got still got about a few more minutes. So, what what do you what do you want to uh, sort of you know, get into? Do you want to you know expand more on this? Because I, I I think look, we've been talking about this for like mm -hmm. the last like month, especially with all the stuff that went on with UCLA and USC and and such and. Mm -hmm. You listen to what the listen to what the the AD from UCLA, Martin Jermon, said that well, you know, there were you know, millions, tens of millions in the hole, and they had to make this move. And mm -hmm. like, yo, okay, well, well, you just said the quiet part out loud, dude. So you're like, I mean, <laughs> come on, like, you know, so this is a money move. You just admitted it to you know, in front of everybody. So you're like, okay, and you know, like, like, and like Matt said, you feel bad for some like the smaller sports, like the swim team and the volleyball team. I mean, yep. if you know, UCLA, USC have really, you know, top volleyball programs on the women's side. So, okay. If you're going to have, they're going to have to go like cross country for, you know, for a match and such, you know, if you're on the cross country team, you probably mm -hmm. have to go, you know, cross country, especially when it gets cold, it's going to be very cold there. So I know they. I know they probably dealt with that like up in Washington, Oregon too, in those areas because it gets a little cold. But mm -hmm. it, it's, there's snow on the ground too here in the Midwest, so that's something they got to figure out. 
And, and also, too, Lakina, you, you mentioned the AD of, of UCLA. He's wiping his forehead about five, six times I'm, like I'm doing right now for those of you watching on our stream <laughs> on YouTube and Facebook. But like you said, there was $60 million in, in the hole. Now they have some money to play with and re reallocate those uh, resources to other places. But we all know, Lakina, in places like UCLA, Texas, and University of Michigan, both football and basketball bring, bring – in the most money in terms of sports and they help pay for the other small sports as well. And so that's how these universities keep afloat. But I, I, I'm interested to see what Notre Dame does as of right now, you should stay independent. I know they get $15 million a year from NBC. I know that contract runs out through 2025 as well. So we'll see what Notre Dame does, but geographically, well, we always said that it made sense for them to join the big 10, but uh, unless the, the payday is bigger than what they get from NBC right now, uh, you might as well stay independent for football. I know they're in the ACC as far as the other sports are concerned. But as far as football, unless you get a, a more way more than $15 million, triple that pay, you might as well stay independent. Yeah, and I, I, I've gotten into it with some people too. Like, well, maybe they should, you know, join the conference. Well, maybe maybe down the line they may not have a choice. But mm -hmm. so right now, this is the best situation for them. They get fifteen million by themselves. They don't have to yeah. share it with any any uh, anybody. So you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, okay. BYU had to you know join the conference because they weren't making the money that Notre Dame was making being independent. So they didn't have a choice but to join the Big Twelve. Now, now Notre Dame. I mean, look, they got that sweet contract with NBC and Peacock. So you're getting fifteen million. We'll see. Like in a couple of years, we'll see if that number goes up or whatever. Or if you think that maybe you're better off, might be better off joining the conference. Who knows? But right now, I, if I were Notre Dame, and look, Lord knows how I feel about that program, but <laughs> I would stay. I'd stay independent. But look, I'm a capitalist yeah. too, so I'm like, hey, you know, look, stay where the money is. Yeah, I know. I know we're up against it in terms of our top of the hour break, but I want to uh, piggyback off your uh, next point. The question that you asked, Matt, about the smaller schools. Like you said, Boise State for sure. Let's just say uh, that even though, let's just say the 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 Pac-12 and the Big 12 the, the don't merge. Like you said, mm -hmm. assuming that Washington and Oregon leaves, I know that's the hot rumor right now. Those next two schools are potentially joining the Big 10. Nothing is imminent as of yet. But let's just say those two schools leave. Uh, that'll be the perfect situation for Boise State. You get a bigger profile over the uh, the con the TV contracts will be better for that conference. But if you Boise State, you'll have more eyeballs uh, watching mm -hmm. your program. And plus, you I know you you're you're a late night owl in terms of your West Coast football. But don't you think that Boise State would benefit for those uh, six or seven o'clock Chicago time starts if they join the Pac-12? Yeah, I mean, you won't be seeing it at midnight it. Eastern time. Well, yeah, and they're and they're I think they're right there. I think. No, no, they're in the mountain time zone, I think. So they they could benefit perhaps maybe from being right there. You know, since it's probably gonna be like maybe seven, you know, seven o'clock central time, eight o'clock eastern mm -hmm. time. So you'll probably have more eyeballs to watch and they'll play better watch. opponents as well. Right. And you know, you get you have more access to that too. So yeah, I think if you're Boise State, if you're seeing what's going on, you're thinking, hmm, you know, we might be able to not to say that you know the Mountain West, you know, doesn't you know doesn't do it. Like, I love Mountain West, I love that conference, you know, the, a lot of those schools. Yeah. Boise, Utah, New Mexico, et cetera, Utah State and such. So, yeah, I mean, those, those are sort of like, you know, the Wyoming too. So, yeah, those are sort of like the schools where they're kind of like right there. So, you know, who knows? I mean, we might be seeing even more conference reshuffling. So, oh, good grief. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Musa. <laughs> uh, State no, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, you okay. go ahead. All right. Stay tuned for more sports and more fun as Second City Sports continues with our 
um, review of the base in Major League Baseball's All-Star Game rosters, who got in, who got snubbed, and all the other good stuff. The WNBA celebrated its All-Star Weekend here in the city of Chicago. We'll give you our commentary on that. We have some sports media news, and it's the return of Old School TV Monday. You're going to like the TV show that we'll, we'll salute today. And that, it was actually one of the forefathers of, of the uh, what we call the a famous uh, TV block on a certain day of the week. Mm-hmm. We'll leave you pondering with that. And a whole lot more. I'm Cindy Brown. That's Lakita McGee. You're listening to Second City Sports. We're live in Living Color right here on Sports Old Chicago. Progressive presents the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. The Dodgers beat the Cubs 11-9 on Sunday at Dodgers Stadium. Freddie Freeman 4-5 for five with a home run. L.A. rallied from a pair of five-run deficits. P.J. Higgins hit his first career grand slam during Chicago's five-run fifth. David Bodie hit a three-run homer in the third. But the Cubs couldn't hang on. They've lost four in a row in six of ten. Back goes Reyes. This is gone. And we are tied. Gavin Sheets put a charge into a 3-2 pitch. White Sox radio with the call. 4-2 the win over the Tigers. The Sox have wins in two straight and six of ten. Pinch hitter A.J. Pollock's two-out single broke a 2-2 tie. Kendall Graveman pitched a scoreless eighth for the win. Liam Hendricks with the perfect ninth for his 17th save. NBA Vegas Summer League action Sunday. The Knicks beat the Bulls 101-69. Next up for Chicago is Tuesday afternoon's matchup against the Raptors. It'll be a 4 central tip-off. I'm Chuck Sanders. That's the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. Macy's 4th of July sale has everything you need to make a splash at the barbecue with great deals like 50 to 60% off swimwear for all and dry off with plush Charter Club beach towels for $40. Plus get 40% off almost all sandals now during the great sandal sale. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Star Money bonus days. See Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. So a friend told me about Mr. Clean Magic Eraser and his exact words were, it changed my life. I used to spend a ridiculous amount of time trying to remove tomato sauce from inside our microwave and soap scum off the bathtub. It's like seriously magic and my secret weapon for cleaning the kitchen, bathroom, doors and walls, and even keeping my sneakers clean. Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. Greatest invention ever. Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. The unicorn of cleaning. The hometown Quigley from Chicago played it to Paul, a champion for the sky. And Quigley puts in three on the first rack. Remember, her money ball rack is on that right wing. Quigley needs 21 to tie, 22 to win. Hits the money ball. Can she get a two zone? You bet. Quigley in prime position. Lethal. Quigley. Another money ball. Another Duzo ball. Oh, yeah. Quigley is closing in. Her money rack. She got it. Allie Quigley has already clinched victory. This is all gravy, icing from the corner for Allie Quigley. 
the first ever four-time champion. Welcome back to... <laughs> Those darn rejoins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Sid. Oh, welcome back to hour number two of Second City Sports. We're live in Living Color, another Monday edition right here on Sports House Chicago. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Oscar McGee on the IG. And those highlights are courtesy of the WNBA on ESPN and ABC. You'd like to thank them one and all. Don't forget, you can follow Sports on Chicago on all social media platforms, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And also, we are on Roku TV. You have a Roku television, just tap on the app, go to the sports section, and download Sports on Chicago. If you don't have a Roku TV, just download the app anyway. Just go into the sports section and type in Sports on Chicago. Liam Hendricks, especially after nailing down yesterday against the Detroit Tigers, he loves it too. He says Sports on Chicago is now on Roku. That's right. Roku TV is now uh, is now the host to Sports on Chicago. You can access all of our other five live shows uh, there that aired throughout the week. Like tonight, what's up, cuz? We'll be on from six to eight p.m. exclusively right here on Sports on Chicago with Jason Palmer and his cousin Lance C. Urban. We gotta get on that program, Lakim, sooner rather than later. Yeah, hopefully we can get that during you know as the NFL season is approaching. So I hopefully yeah. and we and we said we promised we get the mod too. So yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, cool. we can do like a like a sort of like a, a cross you know cross promotion if you will. So that'd be pretty exactly pretty cool if we could do that you know during the football season. That'd be awesome. So, but first we'll get to we'll talk about the WBA and there were some comments that the commissioner made that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But we'll, we'll get to that in, uh, in a second. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the All Star Game. It looks like so far at least we're gonna have three All Stars. Uh, here in Chicago, two from the Cubs, one from the White Sox. Uh, you know, from the Cubs, you got Wilson Contreras, who's going to be a starter, starting catcher for the NL. You know, I think this is just like his sixth, no, fifth, fifth or sixth All Star uh, game and such. And also, mm -hmm. too, uh, Ian Happ will be going to his first All Star game. If you catch his comments, I think prior, I think I don't know if it was prior or maybe like right, right after the game. He saw how emotional he got. This is his first All Star uh, trip, so got to say congrats to him. And Tim Anderson, it's his third uh, All-Star. It's going to be his third All-Star mm -hmm. appearance. So, you know, it's going to be in L.A. So what did you think about, you know, were there – I know there is one, uh, one Chicago player that probably has every right to be a little uh, – <laughs> a little bit uh, miffed, and, and, and deservedly so. And, uh, Sid, uh, you got his picture on the back of you there. Oh, uh, that's Miss, Mr. Dylan Sees. I'm not going to sit here and say that his last start was the uh, nail in the coffin and that's why he didn't get the – all-star not, but Dylan Cease has been pitching his tail off for the White Sox all season long. I talked about Johnny Cueto earlier. Uh, he, he uh, Rick Hahn found him off the scrappy, but Dylan Cease, he's uh, a top five pitcher in strikeouts, top five in ERA, and he's really improved from a couple years ago, Lakina. Remember, we talked about this a couple years ago when he was starting to get his footing, that he used to strike out a whole lot of people and not put the ball in play. He's starting to do that just a little bit. He still strikes out a lot of guys, but he he still needs to work on, on the pitch count uh, here and there and not not be like the young Carlos Rodon having 100 pitches to uh, five and a half innings. But it seems like he has more 
uh, command uh, command of his pitches. He definitely has the fastball on track. His breaking ball is starting to improve. So he's really having control uh, control on the mound right now. And for him not to get into the all-star game, it's just absurd. And I said this for a long time as well, Lakin, and I'll say it again. Why does every team have to be representing the all-star game? I think that's the only league, league that has that rule out of the four major sports. It's Do I really need world. to see an uh, all-star from the Open Athletics unless they have an off-the-charts year? It's a sort of silly thing. Oh, yeah, it's sort of silly that they put that rule in there. Well, hey, everybody's got to be part of the All Star game and such. So, you know, it's like, hey, you know what? I mean, let, let's, you know, represent everybody. I, I think Steely put that rule in place because of that. So I think that's probably why, you know, you're seeing some of this. But this is kind of like a detriment to some of the, the players that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, Dylan Cease has every right to have a gripe. I know if you, I'm sure he'll be asked today on how he feels about it. But Ty mm-hmm. France from the, the Mariners first baseman i mean he's one of those uh we can he's actually versus he can play first and second and third base he can yeah you, know, mm-hmm. you know sort of he's like one of the top you know, you know hitters in the league right now not just in the al and he didn't get there was this big you know, social media campaign to get him in there and to get that last spot he didn't get it so it's definitely sort of one of those things where you're, you're kind of like okay yeah this is sort of a silly rule they put in there but do you really i don't think as A's fans will we'll lose if they one of the guys don't make the all-star team i mean i'm, I'm just I'm just saying. So <laughs> you're letting you're letting guys like Dylan Cease and Ty France, you you know, those guys are being left off because you want to make a point. You want to like, you know, hey, participation trust for everybody. So you know, it's yeah. just silly, but hey. Yeah, here's the elected starters. From we'll start with the American League at catcher is Alejandro Kirk from the Toronto Blue Jays. First base Vladimir Guerrero Jr. from Toronto. At second base Jose Altuve, that cheater from Houston. <laughs> at third base Rafael Devers, my guy from the Boston Red Sox, of course. Tim Anderson from the White Sox at shortstop. Here's your starting outfielders: Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton from the Yankees. Both of them have are having outstanding years. Both of them are healthy. That's why the Yankees have the best record in baseball, of course. Uh, the third outfield is Mike Trout from the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. The DH is Shohei Atani from the Angels as well. The legacy selection, Lakina, is Melky Cabrera from the Detroit Tigers. Okay, and I, I can live with that. Now, what about on the NL? Uh, my computer's froze, so I can't give you the rosters. Okay, hold on. Things. Let me see if I can, I can open okay. it up here. From the NL uh, side, uh, you saw. Did you see their uniforms? They look kind of like. Okay, can we go back to just having just wear their team unis? I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, I, yeah, I, feel I think like... they still do that for the actual game, but you know, they wear those um, uh, specialty jerseys during you know batting practice and home run. W. You see all of them sitting out there in the out in the uh, in infield. Okay, yeah, and so here we go. We got. Our, uh, center field, uh, center of course, you know Wilson Contreras. This is third All Star selection. Paul Goldschmidt from St. Louis. This is seventh. Jazz Chisholm mm-hmm. Jr. from Miami. His first. Manny Machado. His sixth. You know from the Padres. Trey Turner from the Dodgers. His second. Ronald Acuna Jr. After coming back from the injury, he. This is his third All Star game from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Mookie Betts. His sixth. You know for the Dodgers, of course. Jack Peterson, former Cub. San Francisco, you know, for the you know for the Giants, mm-hmm. his second. Also, too, of course, Bryce Harper got vote got voted in, but unfortunately, since he's hurt, so William Contreras, you know, Wilson's uh, kid brother, will make his first appearance from Atlanta. And uh, this is an interesting stat here. I think this is only the second time in uh, in history, you know, All Star history, that there's going to be uh, two brothers playing in the same on the same team in the All-Star. Uh, this is a very cool moment right there. Yeah, I think since um, the Clementes, you know, back way back in the early 70s. So that's a pretty cool moment mm-hmm. for 
for them and their family. So that's going to be a really nice moment once all the pompous circumstances over in LA in, the, in a few weeks, but in next week, I should say, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool moment. You got Chaz, Chaz Chisholm from the Marlins. You know, he's been one of the reasons why the Marlins have been really good. So, you mm-hmm. know, making his first all-star appearance. So that's pretty uh, remarkable. And such. So, uh, yeah, you, gotta, you like these kind of stories where you get to see guys coming in for the first time. Now, on the pitching side, I won't go through all of them because there's like a lot of them. But, you know, just mm-hmm. a Verlander, the fact that he's been able to come back from everything he's been through. Of course, you know, Gregory Soto. Yeah, Tommy John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, of course, Gregory Soto, who the White Sox just saw. Of course, Paul Blackburn was actually actually been a really good pitcher. It's actually one of the few bright spots for the A's. So that's why he, <laughs> he yeah. ended up getting in. <laughs> Uh, of course, Otani, both got them both as a pitcher and a, a, and a position guy. So go figure there. On the NL side, of course, you got Max Fried and, uh, of course, Clayton Kershaw in his ninth and Sandy Al- Alcantara, which I don't know why people don't have no have trouble pronouncing his name, but whatever. He made his, first, <laughs> his second, uh, second, I should say, also appearance from, my, from the Marlins. So uh, you got the full rosters. They're up somewhere. So you get to get the full roster. So, yeah, that, that's still pretty cool. You get to see, like, guys, you know, coming in, you know, the veteran guys. Of course, you know, you know, Cabrera, Melky Cabrera got a chance to get in for, you know, on the legendary side. And uh, Jose Trevino uh, from, the, from the legends, you know, the captures and such, you know, Trevor Derman and such. So, yeah, some of the other names, um, you know, Albert Pujols is another special election too. Selection mm-hmm. as well. It's his 11th. So, yeah, so it's sort of weird. Like, they were able to get, you know, some of the guys we mentioned, like, you know, Ty France and, uh, of course, Dylan Cease. They didn't get mm-hmm. in, but, you know, it is what it's sort of crazy how all that works, but. Yeah, you're listening to Second City Sports with Lakina McGee and myself, Sydney Brown. We're live in the Living Color on the Monday edition right here on Sports on Chicago. We're, talk- we're talking about the reserves from the MLB All-Star Game, which takes place next Tuesday from Los Angeles. Lakina, uh, the the honorary selection, of course, that's, uh, that, that is controlled by the commissioner. And this hasn't been done in a long time. Of course, you mentioned Melky Cabrera of Detroit will represent the Tigers in the American League. Of course, Apple Pearls, this will probably be his last year in baseball, represent mm-hmm. the National League in St. in St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, do you agree with both of these moves? Because there's been uh, some people that, well, why are you honoring both of them? I know Melky Cabrera got his 3,000 hit finally this year. I believe he has 500 home runs as well. So, and you know, he's a first, both of them are first ballot Hall of Famers, but I know um, uh, Cabrera uh, accomplished uh, two of those frees over the last calendar year or so. And of course, Albert Pujols is a part-time player for the Cardinals. But do you uh, do you think that both of these deserve even a sniff on the All-Star Game field? I mean, if you want to just like say this will probably be the last one for both for both Mickey and for Albert, so you gotta wonder like maybe they just do just do this as sort of like you know. You know, kind of like an honor, you know, for them. You know, these guys, you know, I'm sure there are going to be people that are going to want to watch them now over there in L.A. So you're like, okay, all right, well, let, let's – because they haven't done this in years through, like, the legend selections. They haven't done this type of thing. So you were like, okay, maybe for this situation you're going – you're in Los Angeles. So you figure, like, why not? But mm-hmm. – And also, too, and there's been some uh, big controversy, especially uh, you're surely listening to a lot of uh, L.A. sports radio over the last couple of weeks. Of course, Clayton Kershaw, he's been injured, but he's having a good year. Tony Gosselin has, the, I believe, the best record in terms of pitching, starting pitchers in the National League. I think, believe he's 10-1 right now. And, and there's controversy uh, that uh, Clayton Kershaw should get the start because he's a future Hall of Famer, and this will be a storybook ending to his uh, Dodgers career. He finally got that World Series ring a couple years ago in the bubble, but Tony Gosselin has the better record. He deserves to start. 
where do you stand in all this, or do you even care? <laughs> I mean, I really don't care. I mean, I'm sure there's okay. going to be a lot of people that are going to want to say, "Hey, give it to Kershaw because of the fact that it's going to be in Los Angeles this year." So maybe, maybe that's why people were saying that. I don't know, you know. But the gospel has been really good. We talked about you know in the last you know couple of weeks on the show, Sid. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're sort of like. I, I don't know. I mean, you kind of feel like, okay, do you really? It'll be interesting to see what they do here because who, 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 uh, who, uh, I think, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who they, who he picks because I think it's going to be very interesting because it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of pressure to, you know, perhaps maybe give it to Kershaw since it's going to be mm-hmm. at Dodger Stadium. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. That's the only reason why we we're talking about this, I think, because this game was in Texas or somewhere else. Uh, this wouldn't be a, a discussion. So we'll, we'll see what happens to Brian Snicker, the uh, Braves manager. He'll manage the National League uh, in the All-Star game coming the next year. We'll see what he does there. Uh, Lakino, you know, any other couple last thoughts about the baseball All-Star game? Me personally, uh, like it's, a, it's an exhibition. Again, of course, this time it counts foolishness, which started back in 2003 when the Sox hosted the All-Star game here in Chicago. Uh, it, it determined a home field advantage for that particular league. I'm glad that it's gone. Uh, I know I'm not a big fan of Commissioner Ryan Manfred now, but one of the few things he's done right is taking that this time it counts foolishness out of the All-Star game. Yeah, thank goodness. It was actually just an All-Star game. So, uh, yeah, it might mm-hmm. be like 11 to 10 or something like that. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> you know, it'll be to see what happens there. And, of course, I'm sure there's going to be some injuries. You know, guys are going to pull out and mm-hmm. such. So th- you might see – you know, some guys, but yeah, we'll see what happens. But like you, but I mean, like you said, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see what the, the Braves manager does, because I, I think, you know, like I said, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to, uh, on, on Snicker to, uh, you know, perhaps, you know, give it to Kershaw, you know, for some fight. It's going to be at Dodger Stadium. So we'll mm-hmm. see. All right. You're listening to Second City Sports. We're live in the Living Color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you. Lakina, let's spend the next couple of minutes on the WNBA All-Star Game, which took place at, at the, here in Chicago at Winchester Arena yesterday. Kelsey Plum was the uh, All-Star Game MVP. Of course, Allie Quigley, which is the highlight that we played courtesy of ESPN. Uh, she's a now four-time three-point shootout champion, a former DePaul alumni and uh, Chicago Sky star. Lakina, first of all, uh, shout out to our both uh, colleagues and friends of the show. We got to get them both back on. Casey Standahar from CHGO and our girl Janice Scurrio from CHGO and NBC Sports. As she covers baseball for that great uh, company as well. Both of them were covering the All-Star Weekend as well. Also, too, we got to get him back on in some part. Our good friend of the show, he's from L.A., independent guy, Nick Hamilton. He was here in Chicago yeah. over the weekend, too. So shout out to those three uh, lovely people. that They were coming in WNBA All-Star Weekend here in Chicago. But, Lakina, I, I, I was, of course, I was at the Sox game yesterday, so I didn't get a chance to watch the full game. But, of course, during the second half, uh, the WNBA All-Stars wore all wore 42 jerseys uh, supporting Brittany Griner. For those of you who don't know the situation, go Google it up yourselves. We won't get too much into the commentary here. But uh, the, the All-Star game was very interesting, Lakina. Uh, they, they had uh, an interesting four-point shot. The two uh, uh, logo stars uh, outside the three-point line on, on, on the wings on both sides of the court. And there was a couple of NBA players that hit, uh, the WNBA players that hit that yesterday. And Sylvia Fowles and Sue Burr, were, uh, they played in that final All-Star game. Sylvia Fowles with a nice Showtime dunk. 
Yeah, that was a really cool one. I saw that on social media. I know I didn't mm-hmm. watch the game yesterday. I saw the highlights of it. Mm-hmm. Nice crowd, about what, like ninety five hundred. So I think Wintrust, I think holds about like twelve thousand. Yes, so that it was, does. Yeah, that was actually yeah, that was actually a nice little moment there. Oh, one uh, more shout out, Lakina, not to interrupt you, but our guy Josh Hicks was out there too. Oh yeah, Josh. Before yeah, he kills he us. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, he's gonna kill us too if we didn't like. That. I was there too. I was there too, guys. Come yeah. On now. <laughs> okay, we just did, little brother. Don't worry. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it was really cool. I mean, look, you, look, we we did we look. I mean, you see what the uh, with the the sky and they're the defending mm-hmm. WNBA champs and. Allie Quigley, I, look, I saw her at DePaul. She was great. You know, mm-hmm. you know, shout out to her and you know, great showing and also to a great crowd now. But there was there was some comments that made by the, the commissioner, you know, Kathleen Engelbert, that uh, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, there was a, a chance concert, you know, right? I think like not too far from where where the Wind Trust is. Mm-hmm. It was only by invitation because you know the, the violence in Chicago, blah blah blah. Okay, I'm not gonna go into a long tangent here because you know we got other stuff to do and we're not a political show we're not going to play one here but uh we had the all-star game the, the nba all-star game here in chicago a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. it went off without a hitch this was right before the pandemic thank you very much also you got the taste of chicago not too far from where Wintrust is that went on when i was that's overpriced it's, it should go back to where it used to be but that's a whole nother that's a whole nother space though right. so, <laughs> we're gonna do a twitter space on that probably eventually but right you know, the fact that you're saying that oh well we were we were afraid of eyes and that even the, the the twitter account from wba they said you know uh, a safe uh, a safe like what's that supposed to mean see this is one of the reasons why you know i always side i some of the stuff the wwe the wnba does because of silliness like this and I, and I feel like, okay, uh, someone's got some preconceived notions about our, our fair city. We're not perfect. But there are worse things happening in other cities all over the country. You know, there you go. So that's, 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 it. that's my uh, PSA for this, uh, for this Monday, folks. Thank you very much. <laughs> also, too, I think that they reacted to what happened, the unfortunate tragedy at the uh, Highland Park uh, J- Fourth of July parade. Of course, we send our condolences and our thoughts out to those families in that whole community, which uh, unfortunate tragedy that should never take place anywhere. I don't care if it's Highland Park, South Side, West Side, whatever. No, it should uh, never take place. But we send our condolences to uh, that community and those families uh, that had loved ones unfortunately pass away. But I think it's a response to what happened uh, a week ago today. And like you said, Lakina, no city is perfect, including ours. So people need to get their head out of the clouds. But I understand you want to be safe and you want to have fun. But let's not go overboard here. Let's not overreact. I think all this is, is just an overreaction. And also, to Highland Park's like about an hour from here. It's all the way in another county, so don't don't give me that you know the excuse, folks. You just want to, again, don't want to go into a long tangent, but that's how that's just my saying, and uh, it just seems a little like you know counterproductive and convoluted. But that's another that's like again that's a whole other space for a whole yeah. other time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was a nice time had by all, and, and look, I mean, it's it's great to see your know, support for the sky and the rest of WNBA. Uh, Kelsey mm-hmm. Plum plays for the Las Vegas Aces. For those of you who are wondering about that so uh yeah but i just want to say that little ditty because i i feel like this is sort of like getting not getting talked about much as it should be so yep so that's our recap of the WNBA all-star game you're listening to second city sports sports on chicago see lakina here with you live in a living color right here on sports on chicago we still have a few minutes left lakina before our bottom of the hour break let's get into some tennis of course uh, novak Djokovic. Uh, won another uh, major tournament yesterday. Of course, uh, that's not this should be the storyline, but unfortunately, it's not the storyline. Of course, he's not vaccinated. Of course, the U.S. Open is coming up 
uh, mm -hmm. in late August into September, which is Labor Day weekend. And he says, mm -hmm. unless some things change as far as the U.S. is concerned, because as of right now, foreigners that are unvaccinated cannot travel over here. And so he's unvaccinated. He says, uh, basically, in his press yesterday at, at his victory, he said, unless something changes, I want to participate, but I can't. And I'm not going to get vaccinated. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, the USTA, you know, changes that rule for the U.S. Open because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of pressure on them, you know, to do that. I mean, they start August 29th, and in that particular area, in uh, this, the National Tennis Center, you know, the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center, you know, they you have to be foreigners have to be vaccinated. So, and of course, we know Novak isn't. So, it'll be interesting to see will there be pressure on them to perhaps you know do away with that with that rule. Again, we'll see. I mean, you know, I mean, look, I, I know uh, Patrick McIlroy actually wanted to ask him about it, you know, during, you know, after mm -hmm. that, but he didn't do it. But of course, afterwards during his presser, no, you know, someone did ask Novak about it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I know some people, you know, no one, they didn't really have anybody to cheer for because, you know, Novak and some of his comments and some of his mm -hmm. other stuff that he did in the last couple of years. Nick Kyrgios, who actually did not talk to PMAC <laughs> after the match, <laughs> I think he was just, I think he was just mentally and physically exhausted, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so, I don't know. I mean, look, you got it till the 29th of August. They might change the rule then. Who knows? It might be pressure to change the rule, but who knows what happens there. But uh, but even still, I mean, this is the seventh uh, Wimbledon for uh, Djokovic, you know, his th you know, the fourth in the row. Now, he mm -hmm. is, he's at 21st, you know, only, you know, trailing uh, Rafa now. So it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what if, if he can't, you know, of course, you know, Daniil Medvedev is the defending champion. So, and unfortunately, this will probably be the big story if he doesn't, if I'm talking about Djokovic, doesn't, you know, isn't allowed to, you know, play at the U.S. Open. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a question, Lakina, and I want to ask our listeners and viewers as well. You can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube to give us your answer. Who do you think is the greatest male uh, tennis player of all time? Of course, you have uh, Novak Djokovic, who's on top right now. Of course, you have Rafael Nadal, but. Uh, we'll, let's bring out, of course, um, some of the big names from the past. Jimmy Connors, John McEnroe, P. Sampras, Andre Agassi. Are those some of our, the names that we grew up watching? Well, here's the thing with uh, with McEnroe, McEnroe, John McEnroe, I should say, uh, he didn't win the he didn't win the French Open. That was that was his big okay. you know, hole in his resume. Um, as for Connor, same thing. He didn't win the French Open either. He, was, he won all the other uh, Grand Slam tournaments. He never won the uh, the French Open. Uh, Agassi only won seven, but he ended up winning all four. And you know, Sampras won, I think, like fourteen, but that seems like a small number now, as if we've seen lately. Yeah. But again, never won the French. You know, Federer, of course, his injuries. He's on right. I think because he's on right for like the first time since like ninety seven, since he first came on the the senior mm -hmm. on the senior circuit. So. It, you know, he's having injury issues right now. Plus, he's also 40. So, unfortunately, um, you know, Nadal is still doing, you know, doing his thing at as at, uh, at like 34. Uh, you got Djokovic, you know, he now has seven Wimbledon. That's more than uh, that's only like one behind a uh, Federer. So, yeah, I think he'll have something to say about our buddy, uh, uh, Jay Paw, Jason Palmer. He's at Yvonne Lendl. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely, definitely. Uh, I forgot about that underrated. name. Yeah, good call, yeah. Jason. Good yeah, call. Yeah, definitely yeah. very underrated. But again, one of the big, you know, little holes in his race, but he never won Wimbledon. 
that was that was probably that's probably why. And I and yeah, I think he does get as much respect as to, to Jason's credit. He does get as much respect because of the fact that he didn't win Wimbledon. He had two two chances to win it. He didn't. So an A's, but it, but he didn't. Even mm-hmm. He was number one. So so it's just like so many questions. I mean, of course, you know Federer and you know you got Nadal's leading right now, and I felt again that could change. You know, yeah, kind of chase in the U.S. Open. So he might he might you know he'll, he'll probably come back you know with from that Nadal train for the U.S. Open series and such. But uh, yeah, there's just so much and. Yeah, I mean, it depends on if we're going by errors. Of course, Rod Laver is one of the all-time greats mm-hmm. from the seventies and such. But I don't know. I mean, it's sort of like one of those things where you're kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just like we get into these comparisons, and, and like you say, in other er- eras and other sports as well, especially in, in, in basketball. Of course, with LeBron James and Steph Curry, or could they play in Michael Jordan's era and this and that, and. It looks like we could do the same thing in tennis as well. As I, you know, as a casual tennis watcher, I remember Andre Agassi. You mentioned his accomplishments, but let's be honest, he's remembered more that he's remembered more for what he did off off the off the tennis court than, than what he did on the tennis court. Of course, Pete Sampras was a nice straight laced guy that just concentrated on tennis from from the public guy. But Andre Agassi had that flair and he, and he had the commercial appeal, and so I I think that that comes into play as well. I remember Jimmy Connors in. Uh, uh, Jimmy Connors, as I was a kid, of course, he had a mouth like a sailor. And of course, we have the two-minute delay now. He's one of the reasons why we have a two-minute delay now. You won't hear the tennis players talk that much live, but uh, he was pretty good in his prime as well. Yeah, so it's good. Yeah, so again, it's sort of like you know, the same thing, like, okay, what era? Because different eras, different times. Yeah. So, you know, you really can't... I don't think you can really pick who's the greatest. I know some. So I had a friend ask me, like, do you think Novak's the greatest because of this win? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, yeah, again, another question I'm sure will be, you know, as we get close, close to the US Open, we'll probably be having questions about that. Also, we want to give a shout out to Elena Rabakina, who became the second woman outside of the WTA's you know, top mm-hmm. 20 to win uh, Wimbledon. She won Wimbledon. Also, she's the first. Uh, First player, male or female, from Kazakhstan to win. Of course, you know she was born in Moscow, moved to Kazakhstan a few years ago. She's been playing under the uh, the Kazakhstan flame since. So, Borat is no longer just the only thing that 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 country is known for. Now they got a a, a Grand Slam champion. So, congrats to her as well. Yes, congrats to her from us here at Sports on Chicago and Second City Sports. Lakina, we got to towel off. We got to get ready because we have a last uh, uh, last segment to get through. When we come back, we'll give you the schedule for the for baseball for today and tomorrow's is a, a new series kick off kick off this week. We have some news about the NFL. Lakina, they never seem to amaze us in this twelve month a year sport. We have some news on the NFL. Plus, we have another couple of nuggets as well. And plus, we we're returning old school TV Monday. For, uh, we'll honor this show that helped set the trend for the special block during the 1990s. You don't know what that is? We'll tell you. You just have to stay right there. Stay right there. Mm-hmm. Hello, with Miss Lakina McGee. I'm Sydney Brown. You're listening to Second City Sports. We're live in Living Color right here on Sports Old Chicago. Progressive presents the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. The Dodgers beat the Cubs 11-9 on Sunday at Dodgers Stadium. Freddie Freeman 4-5 for five with a home run. L.A. rallied from a pair of five-run deficits. P.J. Higgins hit his first career Grand Slam during Chicago's five-run fifth. David Bodie hit a three-run homer in the third. But the Cubs couldn't hang on. They've lost four in a row in six of ten. Back goes Reyes. This is gone. And we are 
tie. Gavin Sheets put a charge into a 3-2 pitch. White Sox radio with the call. 4-2 the win over the Tigers. The Sox have wins in two straight and six of ten. Pinch hitter A.J. Pollock's two-out single broke a 2-2 tie. Kendall Graveman pitched a scoreless eighth for the win. Liam Hendricks with the perfect ninth for his 17th save. NBA Vegas Summer League action Sunday. The Knicks beat the Bulls 101-69. Next up for Chicago is Tuesday afternoon's matchup against the Raptors. It'll be a 4 central tip-off. I'm Chuck Sanders. That's the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. Macy's 4th of July sale has everything you need to make a splash at the barbecue with great deals like 50 to 60% off swimwear for all and dry off with plush Charter Club beach towels for $40. Plus get 40% off almost all sandals now during the great sandal sale. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Star Money bonus days. See Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. So a friend told me about Mr. Clean Magic Eraser and his exact words were, it changed my life. I used to spend a ridiculous amount of time trying to remove tomato sauce from inside our microwave and soap scum off the bathtub. It's like seriously magic and my secret weapon for cleaning the kitchen, bathroom, doors and walls and even keeping my sneakers clean. Mr. Clean Magic Eraser, greatest invention ever. Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean Magic Eraser, the unicorn of cleaning. Twenty-one field goals in that first half, and starting the third quarter, McBride primes off the screen from Sims. Oh, what a time and a finish and a detonation by Jericho Sims. About that dive right there, Grimes stripes close out a little, no luck. My man's head was on the rim. <laughs> Over the head pass by Quinton Grimes. Welcome back to Second City Sports, the live and in living color for a Monday edition right here on SportsZone Chicago. I'm Sid, that's Lakina. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kina McKee on the Twitter and at Kina McKee on the IG. And we have less than a half hour left of this extravaganza. We call it Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. And that highlight uh, from the NBA Summer League game between the New York Knicks and the Chicago Bulls are courtesy of the NBA on ESPN and the NBA. We like to thank them one and all. Lakina, let's get into it quickly. I did check out the highlights of that game, including that uh, highlight from the New York Knicks from yesterday. Uh, Dalen Terry made his debut. He had a shaky performance. He scored 11 points, but you could tell that this is his first NBA game, even though it's not official. It's not preseason, obviously. And we said this before, Lakina. All his teammates and other uh, players that he's playing against, most of them will not be in training camp for, for those teams come the fall, and most of them not play overseas. So those players are just filling out a roster. And it's all about uh, how well does uh, Mr. Terry develop with this, uh, uh, develop his skills right now, and how much will he see, see him do that? And how much can he contribute to this, to this Bulls team come the fall? 
this is what summer league is is for getting the rookies and second year guys and even some G League guys to go get some minutes, get some basketball, get some, you know, sort of like getting ready to sort of go you know, torn up you know, during the season. Cause like 80% of these, these guys will not be on the main roster by the time the season starts in like a couple in about like five, about four or five, three or four months, I should say. So it, it really mm-hmm. it, look, you want to make sure as long as Terry's getting better and everything else. So it's it's fine. I mean, I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not gonna go break up because he has a bad game in a summer league against guys that probably won't even be on the main roster and they on the main NBA roster, the next roster uh this coming season. So it's not happening. So we can move right along, Sid. <laughs> and the Knicks ended up winning that game in, in in blowout fashion anyway, but that's not important. But uh, there's other news in the uh, from around the world of basketball. News came out today that the new the new the Brooklyn Nets, I was gonna say the New York Nets for way back in the 70s or the New Jersey Nets, but the Brooklyn Nets are reportedly asking for a first round pick uh, in the potential Kyrie Irving trade. Then uh, the <laughs> Lakers next first round pick is not until 2027. What are you worried about? No one cares. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, so at this point, you're like, okay, like, okay, yeah. I think the message is playing around. Like, they know the they know the Lakers don't have a first round pick, not even not a top ten one anyway. So exactly, they're not going to get that. So they might have just put out there just to sort of say, hey, you know what? You know, we want a first round pick. So I just look. I'm at this point where I'm just like, okay, let, let's wait till. Let's wait till it's over with until like we get closer. Mm-hmm. If it's happening, if it's if it's not, you know, who cares? At this point, it's just like, okay, I'm over it already. <laughs> yeah, and so here's the thing, Lakina. I think we talked about this on our last show uh, on last Friday. It's all about posturing at this point. What can the uh, Brooklyn Nets get out of the Lakers? What can the Lakers get out of the Nets? It's all about maneuvering and playing mind games at this point. And let's be honest here. Russell Westbrook, the Lakers are doing any and everything to get him out of that building, get him off that roster. Uh, LeBron James, this is on you. It did not work last year. As we talked about before, Kyrie wants to be in Los Angeles with the Lakers and see if him and LeBron can do it one more time. That's all it is at this point. (laughs) That's basically all it is. I mean, I think especially with the KD trade, because we know how much that Mm -hmm. someone's going to have to give up. You might have to get a third team involved, I think, in both instances. So, like mm-hmm. I said, I'm at the point where I'm like, unless something happens, you'll wake me when something happens. That's for either, either the, either for Katie or Kyrie. So like, I'm at this point, like I said, I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens uh, on that front. You listening to Second City Sports, Sports Zone Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you, Ryan with you for the next 20 minutes or so to wrap up uh, the Monday edition of this fine program. NFL news, Lakina, your guy, Roger D- Goodell, the commissioner. Uh, we waiting for his decision on the Deshaun Watson front, but we'll get into that on another time. But there's other news coming from the commissioners from the commissioner. Sunday's ticket streaming destination will be announced this fall. Of course, we all know that Apple, Disney, and Amazon are bidding for uh, the rights for NFL Sunday ticket. Of course, currently they're with Direct TV. Like Kina, we talked about this before. People want and need options. We know that live sports is the only way that you're going to make the big money for these advertisers because all the other television shows, you can stream them anytime you want to. It wasn't like back in the day you had to watch them when it was new or wait till the summer to catch to catch them. You didn't watch them in the fall or spring. But it looks like Apple TV Plus or Amazon is in the lead right now. Of course, Amazon will debut in the fall with its Thursday night football package exclusively on Amazon. Uh, we talked about uh, uh, Netflix a few months ago, Lakina. It looks like they're not going to get in in terms of live sports. They may get into it with NFL films in terms of producing content for NFL films and things along that line. But uh, Disney and uh, 
Apple TV, Apple TV, and Amazon all the front runners right now for NFL Sunday ticket. Yeah, and I think this is sort of you know one of those things where it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Should whoever ends up getting it, because you're gonna have mm-hmm. to market it, especially if you're Apple. Not a lot of folks have Apple, so you know you're gonna have to maybe do some you know some creative marketing if you're trying to get mm-hmm. folks to sort of get those out of market games that have you know made. Uh, this Sunday ticket so popular in the last few years, especially. So if it does end up, at least with Disney Plus and so if Amazon, there actually are some folks who do have Amazon, you know, Prime and such. But again, on the other on the other side, though, I mean, a lot, a lot of people have Apple. So it's going to be, if it does end up being Apple TV that does get it, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, will people sign up with Apple? Like if you ask somebody, you know, a football fan, I would say maybe 50-50 probably wouldn't do it, but... We all know that the NFL is the number one TV show right now. So who, who, whichever streaming coming gets the NFL's uh, Sunday ticket package, they know that enough fans are going to hop on to their streaming service and, and purchase that package. Uh, just about it. it doesn't matter what price it is, but they know folks are going to hop on and catch the hot, the hottest sport in town. And so we'll, we'll see how much they'll charge for it. And we know that a whole lot of advertising is going to go into it as well. Yeah, and I think they, that's probably where we're going to have to make the money up. It's probably through advertising. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm interested to see what, what happens here because I, I think, like I said, I think it's going to be interesting to see if people are – whoever ends up being – because these are all streaming services. Now, if they when they do pick a streaming service, will people flock to it? I think that's I think that's sort of like my – I know I harp on it, but I think that's sort of like the number one question mm-hmm. now. Yeah, we all know that Apple TV Plus is in the, uh, in the sports game already with live sports with Friday Night Baseball for MLB. It'll continue – Throughout, at least through the end of, of this season, we'll see if they get it back starting uh, next year. Of course, we know about Peacock. That's uh, via NBC. They are doing the uh, the brunch Sunday morning slash early afternoon baseball uh, baseball telecast. And so we'll we'll see what happens with the NFL. Who gets it? Whoever gets it, uh, they're going to pay a, a, a tremendous price for it. Yeah, they are, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. With that, now some uh, news, same with the NFL, but news on their media front. There is a new host of, oh, well, co-host, I should say, of Good Morning Football. Of course, Kay Adams, of course, she was there since the inception. She left a couple of months ago. Chicago's was, very young. Yes, she is from right here in Chicago. And uh, there was some speculation on who would take over that spot. Well, they have found that person, and NFL me, and they made the announcement earlier this morning. It is veteran CBS sports uh reporter miss jamie erdahl who is terrific she's from you know she's from minnesota and they made the announcement you know they made the official announcement of course that that was been going around for like a last you know couple of weeks but mm-hmm. they made it official she'll be the new co-host of good morning football now how does this sort of affect how she what she does with of course she had been doing sec football doing the sidelines mm-hmm. there on cbs the last like six years now, Jenny Dell will take over that spot. You know, she'll, she'll join uh, Brad Nestler and uh, Gary Danielson. And that, you know, of course, Ross and Red Sox fans know her from when she was in NESCN. Yeah, that's where I first saw her on Nesson. Yeah, in Boston. Nesson, of course. So, yeah, she'll be joining that crew as well. She's with CS last few years as well. Also, too, Cherie Burris will take over her spot as the lead college football reporter for CBS Sports Network. She'll join Rich Walls and Aaron Taylor for that this upcoming season. So, Sid, what do you think about that news? You know, it's not surprising that you mentioned that this uh, news has been rumored out, uh, rumored out there for the last couple of weeks. I actually enjoyed Good Morning Football, so 
Uh, Jamie Rodal, she's going to do a good job. She's hopefully that you can bring our more fun and more casual, more comfort level to that program. Of course, you have uh, Peter Schrager is there. Of course, Kyle Brandon has been a, a rising star on that show and for the NFL Network over the last few years or so. I still can't believe that was still him on Real World Chicago some 20 plus years ago. We, I'm starting to feel old. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, look, I saw him on Days of Our Lives. He was full up on Days of Our Lives for a couple for about a year. Or so that's how that's how I I found out about him. So that was about the same time too, like about a year, like two years after that. So yeah, we you are feeling old. We're about the we're all about the same age. So yeah, you know, go figure. But he does a good job there as well. So it'll be just see who they get to replace uh, Nate Burleson because they haven't really replaced him yet. So right, I know they've had like you know various you know, various players i forgot who's i forgot who's gonna be on who's on there this week but you know hopefully once the before the season starts they'll have like an actual mm -hmm. a, a full like team they can kind of market behind yep we'll see what happens with that show going forward uh staying with the nfl one more time uh condoleezza rice will join the broncos ownership group uh because the denver broncos of course are up for sale of course rumor has it that magic johnson who has a small stake in the la dodgers <clears throat> excuse me, baseball team. Uh, he's rumored to uh, be interested in purchasing the Denver Broncos. Of course, I think Pat Bowen passed away a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And so that team is up for sale. Connelly's Rice is joining the group to buy the Broncos. Of course, she was on the original college football playoff committee a few years ago. People thought that she was going to take over as NFL commissioner. It looks like that's not happening. So uh, what do you think about this? Yeah, I like the idea. I think, look, you want more diversity, not just you know in the mm -hmm. front office, but also on the ownership side. So, I know that she and uh, the owners now, the new owners for the Broncos, are pretty close. So that's one of the reasons mm -hmm. why they contacted her. She's got the she's got the money. So you know, I think that was a you know, pretty cool concept uh, in that front. So uh, yeah, I think that'll be interesting to see how much of a say she'll have in some of this. How much of a you know sort of involved she'll be. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And I want to clean this up. Uh, Darius Butler, who those of you who remember him, he played for the Patriots, the Colts, and the Panthers. So, you know, he'll be, he's going to be sitting all this week. So that'll be, that'll be interesting to see what he does. He actually hosts a very popular pod. He's co he co-hosts a podcast. So he'll be uh, doing the, uh, joining the raise for good morning football all this week. So like I said, well, hopefully they'll figure out what to do. And hopefully he'll be one of the, uh, the top contenders to replace Nate Burleson, the man to man pod. Of course, he's a former quarterback. So mm -hmm. that's actually a pretty cool name. So there, so yeah, just wanted to bring that back. All right, you listen to Second City Sports, Sports on Chicago. City Lakina here with you, riding down the home stretch for this Monday edition of the program. Before we get to our old school TV Monday salute, we'll give you the schedule from around the world. The baseball, this new series that are starting today and tomorrow. Of course, Detroit and Kansas City are uh, starting off their uh, three game series right now. Of course, it's scoreless in the opening game. Of today, uh, that's in the top of the third inning. Of course, you have the White Sox and the Guardians tonight. You also have Pittsburgh at, at Florida to take on the Miami Marlins. The Red Sox and the, and, the, and the Tampa Bay Rays will do battle again. Of course, we all know saw what happened with Tampa and Boston last week. We have the Phillies and the Cardinals, the Mets at the Braves. Big division battle. I cannot wait for that. I'll be watching this one via this computer screen. <laughs> Well, of the course, it's going to be on FS1 too, so you'll, you'll, you won't need the computer yes. screen. <laughs> well, for the local broadcast, I will, but that's all yeah. other issue. <laughs> uh, Oakland at Texas to take on the Rangers, another AO West battle. Rangers have been playing very well lately. Of course, they took two out of three against Minnesota over the weekend. Of course, the Tigers and the Royals, uh, second game tonight. We have San Diego at Colorado. 
and we have Arizona at San Francisco to take on the Giants. That's the uh, the week series, uh, the beginning of the week series that starts tonight. Okay, yeah, and that Philly and St. Louis game, they're finishing up their series, so because they're going to okay. be traveling to Toronto, you know, tomorrow. Toronto, hopefully, they get smarting from that uh, Mariners sweep, so. Hopefully a little home cooking is just what they need. Cincinnati and the Yankees. So if you're the Yankees, you're probably going to take it out on the Reds. I know they're coming out of a yeah. high. <laughs> the Reds are. But I think if you're the Yankees, you're kind of like you're, you're waiting for them. Uh, Boston and Tampa Bay, of course, they could see their series. Milwaukee and Minnesota, that should be a, a fun mm-hmm. series as well. Baltimore and Chicago. The Cubs, I mean, they start their series. And that's, yeah. Oh, Houston and the Angels. We'll see if the Angels can get back on track and who – and we'll see if Houston can put the Angels away. Uh, so, yeah, th- that's your schedule for the uh, MLB series, you know, this early part. And, of course, they can t- these series continue on Wednesday. So, yeah, that's your schedule for this early part of the week in the in the ML- in MLB the last weekend, you know, before the All-Star break. Okay. You did mention Cardinals-Dodgers, uh, correct? Oh, I forgot about that card. Yeah, got, that'll, be, that'll be the Tuesday night game, which is tomorrow on TBS. That's at 645 p.m. Central Standard Time. That should be a fun series. Um, yeah, so yeah, so that's your schedule for uh, MLB as they wrap, get ready to wrap up for the All-Star break this week. All right, you're listening to Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago. I'm Sid, that's Lakina. Lakina, if you, um, if you can still see me, your surely will now uh, make our, will make our return to saluting to Old School TV Monday. This is a, a show that set the trend for a TGIF for the ABC Friday Night TV block in the 90s. Uh, you had Full House. You had Step by Step. You had Family Matters. You had, later on, Boy Meets World. This show we're saluted today, I am talking about Hanging with Mr. Cooper, starring comedian Mark Curry. Hanging with Mr. Cooper is an American television sitcom series that originally aired on ABC from September 22nd, 1992 to August 30th of 1997, starring Mark Curry and Holly Robinson. The show took place in Curry's hometown of Oakland, California. The series chronicles Mark Curry. Uh, he played Mark Cooper, an NBA player turned substitute teacher and later basketball coach, and his roommate and girlfriend, then Viasse Vanessa, uh, uh, Holly Robinson, Pete's character. Hanging with Mr. Cooper was produced by Jeff Franklin in association with Warner Bros. Television. Of course, Jeff Franklin was the creator of Full House as well. It was produced by Laura Mar Television for the first season before uh, being uh, distributed by uh, Brigley Warren Productions by its third season. The show originally aired on Tuesdays in prime time and the after series of Full House. And the show was found its niche in, as we mentioned, on the TGIF Friday night uh, lineup on ABC. It was part of the lineup from September of 93 to May of 1996. Of course, uh, that show had uh, various casting changes throughout the years. Uh, Lakina, of course, Dawn Lewis, if you remember from A Different World, she was on there for one season. She left, of course, the late Nell Carter. She uh, came on the show about his third Mm -hmm. season. I think she played the principal uh, at the high school for a couple of years, of course. We remember this uh, young starlet before... Um, what was, what was that girl's name before oh, Raven Simone? Yeah, Raven Simone. Yeah, but but she was before who played Lisa McGuire, uh, Hillary Duff, and, yeah. uh, and all those stars uh, in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, Raven Simone was the translator there. Raven Simone, as you mentioned, she was on on uh, Hanging with Mr. Cooper and uh, Marquise Wilson, who played the nosy neighbor. Uh, he's an mm-hmm. entrepreneur now in the clothing yep. industry. He was on that show as well. Uh, of course, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, who played Irving, Omar, uh, Omar Gooding Omar Jr. Gooding. 
yeah, he was on that show. On that show, we saw his uh, star rise on that show. Of course, he's now doing television specials, movies, and things along that line. And of course, he was in Baby Boy twenty plus years ago. Like I said, look, I can't believe how old we are. <laughs> but uh, 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 that show was a, a great show. Lakina Mark Curry uh, was the stand-up comedian. I didn't know, just like most of America at that time, I didn't know much about him until I saw that show. And it was a very funny show. And I remember uh, listening to an interview of his a few years ago, and I read this somewhere, too, that, as I mentioned, that the series uh, premiered on a Tuesday during his first season. But ABC, he didn't like this at the time. I heard him on the interview. He didn't like this at the time. But ABC changed his show to be more of a family-friendly show because he moved to the TGIF Friday Night Block. But he wanted to keep it an adult uh, oriented comedy, which of course his character worked with kids, but he didn't like to change, but he had to go with it just to uh, to please the networks. But it was a very funny show. I really liked the first season, but it was still funny throughout the years. Of course, uh, Mark's character and Vanessa finally got together. It was supposed to have a season six, but it didn't happen. But but it was still funny throughout the years. I really liked that first season, and uh, it, it was a very good show, and it really fit that TGIF lineup, despite. Um, so disagreements between Curry and the network. Yeah, it's one of those things where you're kind of like have to, if, you know, we saw, uh, I saw Mark Curry do a couple of TV specials, so I was actually from, a little bit familiar with him before he ended up okay. doing it with Mr. Cooper. They tried to make it, the first, it was kind of like a Black Threes Company kind of concept. You know, they yeah. had the, mm -hmm. you know, they had like the, 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 the house, and of course, you know, Mark didn't pretend to be, you know, gay like they, you know, like Jack, you know, you know, John Ritter, God rest his soul, you know, his character Jack did, you know, with of course with the two girls over at Three's Company. They tried to make it a Black Three's Company type concept. Now they worked with kids. I mean, actually, you know, they did kind of did a crossover because uh, I believe Mary Kate or Ash, it might be a both of them. Mary Kate and Ashley also, you know, actually appeared on episode in the show. Yes, the first yeah, season. the first season. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why that's why you know, the full house, you know, connection and whatnot. Now, when the second season, they totally revamped the show, and I know that he wasn't too happy about that because they wanted to move. They wanted to move the show to they moved the show to TGIF, and of course, they mm -hmm. had to be more family friendly. Or that's why they brought in you know, you know, Mars cousin and her daughter, of course, you know, Raven Simone's character. Yeah, it made it more like a family or friendly kind of thing, which it actually worked for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I, I, at the height of it, you know, of course, you saw Irving, you know, and also to uh, Tyler, of course, you know, of course, <laughs> the, the annoying, the annoying yeah. from next door, he was, you know, hilarious. I actually felt that the show kind of jumped a shark when they put Mark and Vanessa together because I did not like that name. The dynamic kind of changed, and I, and I yeah. wasn't crazy about that. You knew that, that show so. was over when they did that, too. Yeah, it, it jumped the shark. So I think that's yeah. why I know there was supposed to have been a, I think even Holly Robinson P. even said it, too. It, you know, in interviews, also even on Twitter. I thought I heard mentioned on Twitter too. She's a good follow too. You know, follow her on Twitter. Yeah. But yeah, she said they were supposed to have done a season six, but I guess the Rays kind of tanked. So, and it, cause they took the show off and I think they put it like on Saturdays, which it yeah. didn't do well when it came back on Saturdays. Of course, back then that was like the dead, dead man walking slot, you know, the late great uh, Alan Thick, you know, God rest his soul. Can you rest his soul said that? So, that was sort of what happened with that show. And then, you know, at the sixth, there was no sixth season. So the show kind of ended. So I think the kind of the show kind of lost its way too, of course. So they really didn't really have an identity, you know, as it got, you know, down the line when it made it more of a family friendly kind of sitcom mm -hmm. and such. So the, the last season kind of went back to the old, like the more adult concept of, of course, when they got Mark and Vanessa together, but like I said, I wasn't a big fan of that. I mean, they were great moments. There were actually really great moments from the show too. Of course, a young Tyrese Gibson, you know, that was back when, you know, the, the Coca-Cola commercials with you know, the headphones. Yeah, he was singing on the bus. Yeah. On the yeah. bus. That's how, he, that's how he got noticed. You know, of course, he mm -hmm. made an appearance on the show uh, 
they actually dealt with some issues. They dealt with, you know, via city violence. They dealt mm-hmm. with a couple of other, uh, you know, big issues as well. So it kind of covered the gamut, but I think it was one of those shows where it really didn't, it didn't really have an identity. But of course, now you can watch the show is on a Hulu now, folks. So you have a Hulu subscription. <laughs> You know, you can check that out with a lot of other shows from that, you know, that time in a T, you know, TGIF lineup. But like, yeah, I mean, look, it was great for what it was. I mean, it, it sucked that it really, it didn't really have an ending, but you know, it was great for what it was. That's how I feel. Like that's that's one of those shows where it didn't really have like an ending, ending, but it was it was great for mm-hmm. for the time and for what it was. Yeah, a couple of things that you brought up here, Lakina, especially back then. Saturday night was death night back then because, mm-hmm. like you said, everybody was out especially during the spring and summer, everybody's out vacation, which is everybody out having a good time. No one's watching uh, new episodes on Saturday night. Of course, all that's changed now with on demand and streaming. You can watch any of these shows anytime you want. You remember a different world, Akina, uh, which mm-hmm. we'll, we'll salute that show down the road. But remember, uh, it's series finale. It aired originally on a Saturday night. Uh, Saturday, yep. I, I was like, and oh, they me, really looked, did that show wrong. They well, did that well, show wrong. Well, here's the thing, though. I always felt that when you know, Dwayne and Whitley, you know, when Dwayne stopped with these wedding, you know, blah, 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 mm-hmm. that should have been the ending right there. There was no, really no need for another season after that. That was a perfect ending for the show and such. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get to that eventually, but I have I have yeah. my, my comments on, the, on that show, too, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me, too. But also, too, uh, Raven Simone, uh, of course, she came from the Cosby show, mm-hmm. and uh, she her starting her starting to continue to rise uh, on Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Remember, she did that song called That's What Little Girls made of yes, yes you know who produced that right oh yes but tell the people i know who produced it <laughs> yeah a young producer turned rap superstar named missy mr meaner elliot that was one of the first things she did that was one of her first yep. that she, she co-wrote and produced that song and, uh, and actually so that's how it actually became a top 10 hits a top 20 it sure hits, did so yep it sure figure. did <laughs> I was watching it. Uh, I think it was an Unsung episode, of some of some um, documentary. I was like, I remember the song, but I didn't know uh, Missy Ellie produced that at the time. But she wasn't as famous yet. Of course, she became famous in 1995, 96. Of course, she uh, her her career took off uh, from there. But yeah, I remember Raven Simone. Like you said, she was Olivia the Cosby Show. And of course, Don Lewis. I was sad that she left after after the first season, but uh, she was on the hit TV show before then you know, on a different world. Jaleesa, and that was one of the most iconic characters on that show. Of course, Holly Robinson. Now Holly Robinson. Pete, remember we'll probably honor this show down the road too. Twenty One Jump Street was one was one of the first mm-hmm. shows on on Fox next to Married with Children and Parker Lewis and. And um, those are iconic shows. So uh, a lot of unsung stars uh, uh, guest started on that show too. Chris Tucker, Jamie Foxx, mm-hmm. and, and of course guest appearances by Charles Barkley and mm-hmm. Reggie Miller. And uh, it, it was a very good show. But like you said, Lakina, in the last couple of years, it struggled to find its footing. Yeah. And look, I think, look, it had, it had, like I said, it had its great moments. Like I said, we talked about Tyrese, you know, with, you know, you know, he got his start on there yep. too. You know, okay, that's when most people started seeing him. Of course, you know, sort of like you know, like we said, some people may have like commercials and stuff like that, Coca Cola commercial and stuff. But uh, yeah, so I think it's sort of real for me. It's definitely like I said, you know, you had those great iconic moments. But like you said, mm-hmm. like we've been saying, I mean, the last couple of years were kind of like tough to watch because you know, Olivia, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, Raven was getting older. Her character was getting older too. They really didn't know what to do with her either. And yeah. you know, her, the, the, the lady that played her mom, I forgot, Sandra Quarterman. I think Sandra Quarterman, I think that was her name, the, the, the one that played Geneva. They yes. really didn't see her too much either. So they really didn't know what to do with her character and such. So, you know, it was kind of like, okay, what, what do you do? So, yeah. Now again, you know, back in the day, like back in the seventies and eighties, like Saturday was lit, you know, you had, 
227, which I'm sure we'll honor that show on Old School TV Monday at some point. The Golden Girls, among a few other shows. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, but by the time we get back, you know, much like the early night and the mid 90s roll around, like no one really cared about Saturday. And of course, now it's after that, too. You got your college football and other live events, you know, sporting events, too. Yeah, like I said, sports is taking over Saturday nights as long as it makes money. And people are watching, uh, and that's the name of the game. Like I said, times have changed uh, since 20, 30 years ago. And like you said, sports is taking over the weekends throughout the year, not just in the summer, but spring and in, in the fall months as well. And also, too, shout out to uh, In Vogue, one of the best girl groups mm-hmm. in our generation, Lakina. They did the theme song for its first season. I was sorry that they changed that. But uh, that that theme song for the first season, it was on. it was lit, as the kids would say. It was lit. Yeah, that was like when they actually first that became like really big stars. You know, they're they're they yeah. songs that were hit number one. I think their album was mm-hmm. in the top ten as well at the time. So yeah, they yeah, that was actually a nice get that they were able to get them now. Nowadays you can't really do that because you gotta play like license and fees and those type of things. So yep. yeah, so different a different time, I guess. But yeah, I mean, look, you can check out the show on Hulu, you know, the show's on there too. You can relive some of those great mm-hmm. moments and such. So, you know, hey well, Mr. Cooper, we salute you in our old school TV Monday roundup. Yes, yeah, so you can catch certain episodes right here on YouTube, including the Charles Barkley episode, which was a two-parter episode. So oh, I was yeah, watching when, uh, it. I was yeah, watching Mark, it over the weekend. Yeah, when Mark was uh, auditioning for the Warriors. Right? Yes, he, yes. Had, I remember uh, Inside Hardaway, Stuff did a feature on him too. <laughs> yeah, Chris Mullen, Tim Hardaway, of yep. course. Mitch Rich, Mitch Rich, they already traded Mitch Richman by exactly. Then, so, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's also a, Don okay, Nelson, a, of course, who was the coach yeah. of the team, made a guest appearance on that episode as well. Yep. Yeah, of course. You know that was and that's another uh, that was another uh, sort of thing. But uh, you know, they, the fact that they traded Rich Richin, but but they they could have had something going at, with Golden State. But I guess a whole another uh, topic. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> with that said, uh, shout out to everybody. Of course, you know Jason Palmer for what's up, cause they're gonna have uh, Phil Thompson from the Tribune talking Blackhawks and Cyrus McGinnis from the Proviso West Holiday Basketball Tournament. So you know, check that out starting at six o'clock right here on. Uh, Sports of Chicago on Facebook, YouTube, and Roku TV. Roku TV. So check out What's Up Cubs with Jason Palmer and his cousin, uh, Coach Lancey Irvin. That's tonight from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on Sports on Chicago. Lakina, close us out. All right, you can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina's Crumb McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. Make sure you follow Sports on Chicago on all social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Second City Sports, on War or Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. And make sure you follow War Media at WARR Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. And we are now on Roku TV. We're on the Roku uh, TV app as well. You have a Roku television. Just uh, click on the sports a sports uh, folder and type in Sports Zone Chicago. You can download the app right there. You can watch Sports Zone Chicago 24 hours a day. 365 days a year and seven days a week. And there's Justice Fields telling you, get up, Chicago. Sports on Chicago is now on Roku TV. We still have a a couple of programs that are going to debut in the fall right here on Sports on Chicago. And one featuring a former Bears player. We can't tell you who that is, but we can tell you that that show is going to be lit. So you want to get on board right now. Get on board right now because once you miss this train, we ain't coming back to get you. (laughs) 
Right, exactly. So uh, please make sure to, uh, to you know, we're going to, I'm sure, you know, Sean and the, uh, and, and, and Maya and the others will have an announcement on that, you know, but we can't tell you that yet, folks, Shh, but you know, there's a teaser for you. <laughs> yes, there's a tease. All right. We want to thank Matt Fortuna from The Athletic for talking college football with us today. And uh, I'm sure we'll, def- we'll definitely have him on, you know, as the season goes on. I'm sure mm-hmm. we have, because, you know, pick us around a little bit and the other, all other, other happenings too in college sports as well. So uh, enjoy the weather out there, folks. I was supposed to read a little bit in, in a little bit here in Chicago, but even still, you know, enjoy the weather, you know, be safe out there. If you're not going to get vaccinated, wash your hands and be good to each other. This has been Second City Sports on Sports of Chicago, and we'll see you Friday. Go Sox. Till then, holla! <laughs>